1: For the next three hours, you were here in depth analysis, opinion, comments, questions, criticisms. And of course, you guys can be a part of that such show. It's 694 1055. And of course, you can get us in the app, WNSP.com. As of right now, you can, that is. Uh, got a great show lined up for you. Got plenty to get to. Without further ado, the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Brun. No, okay, Alicia Vanian.
2: Well, Michael will be in that uh, conversation in a few years. We'll keep him happy. Uh, he's going to be the voice of high school football, and he's got his first game coming up The tomorrow. voice. The voice. Notice how I give the voice. voice. So yesterday, Mark, on your advice, I watched the Netflix Swamp King, and I watched all four episodes, and I came away again, but I've backtracked a little bit. I came away thinking, untold story. This was more like a highlight video of Florida Gators success under Urban Meyer and all that tabloid stories I was looking for the inside wasn't there and I said did I just waste my time and I also came away again not how should I say this in a nice way my I didn't really care for Urban Meyer going in I cared for him less but I will say this the more I thought about it There was a theme of how he built the culture at Florida. And then I went back in my mind and said, yeah, that to me, to me, was the underlying theme, how he built that program to win the two national titles and come close to a third. So, you know, obviously, if you're a Gator fan and a Tebow fan, you'd certainly like it. I didn't have a problem with it. I thought there was too much video of Florida and not enough behind the scenes stuff The only story that really caught my attention, well, actually there were two, but the one that caught my attention was when in an interview with Urban Meyer and he was talking about why he gave his players second and third chances because of the time he cut that freshman, I think, or a sophomore, and then the kid died like a couple years later, and he said how affected he was by it that he'd give guys second or second and third chances. That, That one caught me. Uh, But again, and and you and I talked about this off the air, they really avoided the tabloid stuff, and I was really disappointed that they didn't get more into Aaron Hernandez.
1: All right, so I, too, went down the rabbit hole and watched all four episodes. It wasn't the plan, but uh, first of all, the first two were incredibly slow. Um, But I came away with the one reason why this untold series didn't work and it's very much in line with you is because you can't root for urban meyer there's no reason to cheer for him you don't want to see him succeed like there's nothing there that says man i hope they win this game that they're recapping right now and i think that's probably going to be the majority of people tebow rooting for him right uh, um, Brandon Spikes loved him, thought he was great in the uh, in the episode. And uh, Brandon Sire cheering for him, loved him, right? Urban Meyer could care less. In fact, not only was I not cheering for him, I was cheering against him. And I and, and you don't see that a lot with the with the uh, with the documentaries, right? The 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 Last Dance. I mean, everybody was on board with Jordan except maybe LeBron, right? Even the Johnny Manziel. Like there was a part of you that was cheering for Manzel. You're like, "Oh, this dude's a clown, but and look at everything he's doing off the field." But look at that kid on. like you you wanted to hear his insight. You wanted to hear what he was thinking. like it was you were you were captivated. Urban Meyer, you know, I, I wanted to see him fail.
2: You know when I first started to dislike him, and it, this is certainly not worth taking to the bank during games in real time. When he used to call a timeout when the kicker was just about ready to kick field goals and so forth, he he was the first that came to my mind where he'd be standing right next to the official, and as soon as the ball was snapped, timeout, timeout. That's when I first really started to not care so much for Urban Meyer. But the more I watched it yesterday, I actually wanted to shut it off when he was talking. I got so tired of listening to his... Uh, uh, the anxiety and all this well, then get out of the get out of it, which he did, but he he came back in but there were there were very few things out of that, and the one I mentioned about I think the the player's name was Avery, who he had to let go yeah. because of uh striking a woman but and again, I went into this with the wrong attitude. I went in thinking they were really gonna dive into the tabloids, the arrests, the uh the the stuff that was going on they touched on it but they didn't go deep into no. it and i was re- and i was going to ask you in the morning cuz like for me usually in the afternoon when i go home if I'm not exactly writing up or doing stuff for the WNSP, sometimes I'll doze off because of getting up early. So I was wondering if maybe I fell asleep during an Aaron Hernandez episode. They didn't even feature him in the video and in, in no. the game action. There
1: was one story Tebow told about how things were just getting crazy around town, and if you weren't winning, you know they were on you, and the expectations were high. He and Aaron Hernandez were at a restaurant. And somebody had said something to Hernandez, and it got really bad, like really like racist, and and, and Hernandez hit the guy.
2: At that and, part, and, and I Tebow, remember.
1: And Tebow blamed himself. Tebow said, that was on me for not getting him out of there quicker, but, not de-escalating. But there was no mention of D- Hernandez. In fact, uh, they mentioned some arrests, and I think they mentioned like five kids that got arrested. Well, there were like 31 arrests. I would in have Urb- liked in Urban Myers' tenure at Florida. So, like, what are we doing? You
2: know what I was also hoping for when they mentioned the name Cam Newton. I was hoping that they yes. they dived into that one also why he left. Yes. Although we know why he left, but I just would have liked to have seen that. And then, to me, it was a. Uh, again the culture of florida football at the time and it was tim tebow and and reading a few stories today there, there wasn't much on the internet sites uh, maybe it'll, they'll, they'll come back with it i don't know usually like with mansell it was right there but there was nothing you went to cbs usa today uh espn none of them had anything on the the netflix swamp kings so i went into swamp kings and there were a few things mentioned. Well, the director, I think her last name was English. Am I correct on that? Sure. Something like that. And and she said they didn't want to make it about uh, the the tabloids and about Tim Tebow. Well, it was about Tebow because without Tebow, there is no success. There are no national championships uh, such as there were, or the great success. And and then I found it interesting, which I kind of s- speculated, but I didn't know that into that last year when they were beaten by Alabama in the SEC title game, that there actually was some discontent between the players and the media attention given to Tebow. Yeah. Uh,
1: all right, Bronner, how much of it did you see? What
3: was yeah. your take? Gentlemen, we had a plan here to uh, to watch one episode, but, you know, uh, I, mean, I guess we'll just throw the plan out the window and watch all four. I watched the first one. Uh, seems like the gripes you guys have with the whole thing is – kind of the gripes that the entire twitter world has didn't go far enough you know carlos dunlap's dui before the 09 sec championship was something that people wanted to see obviously aaron hernandez but yeah my biggest thing and i assume this is a prevailing theme throughout the four episodes it 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 tries really hard to make urban meyer likable yeah uh and urban meyer as we all know as lee just said he's kind of the most unlikable guy maybe in the history of of college football maybe in the history of sports cuz i mean his his nfl tenure we know what a circus that was but you know it tries really hard to be, oh, talk about how competitive he and, and i and i'm not denying the fact that he is competitive i'm sure he is uh and you know the the fire he has to win and all that all that all that great stuff but he's also you know i mean frankly he's also a scumbag so I don't know. I, I, it felt like it was, it was pushing a, a, a pro Urban Meyer narrative, wanting me to like Urban Meyer,
1: and, and I just, I don't now, know. Now, I, I think to that point though, the, the director pointed out that a lot of these guys were very hesitant to sit down and do the doc because they didn't want to get into everything that we wanted to hear about, yeah. right? They wanted to be very specific about what they were talking about. Even Urban Myers at first were skeptical and was skeptical, and Tebow was skeptical yeah, did it. Now, I will say there were some things that were of interest. Like, in, in episode one, the mat drill, oh, yeah. that stuff was nuts. Yep. You remember that, Lee, where they I get know. on the mat, and they're like, one's got to right. keep you from getting off the other. And they, it was like, this dude was they were literally assaulting each other to get in and off the mat. So I thought that was cool. And then uh, Brandon uh, Siler, I thought, had a great story about his parents coming over and, like, because Urban had this idea of what team and teammates should be. And and he was really funny because he's like, if you ever want to play Grand Theft Auto in real life, come to Pine Hills, which I thought was hilarious. So he had been drinking. He calls like – Urban Meyer calls his parents. They come over, and they've been drinking all day. And, um, basically, they're, they're drunk. And Urban Meyer um, – and they and the mom just let Urban Meyer have it and say, "This isn't Utah. just we're here to win championships, get on board or get out." And so he just basically said, "You know, that's, that's the craziest set of parents I've ever seen. So there was some there were some ina- interesting little anecdotes. you know what it reminded me of you know like a lot of times
2: when a book comes out, they'll have an excerpt that'll make news. Yeah, but after that, when you read a book, you find out this was just one paragraph. And I, I like that what you talked about, Silo's parents, and I remember that. But there was so few and far between. You know what I was kind of interested to see might happen? Urban Meyer is a cuss machine. I mean, in the locker room, and he he uses a lot of cuss words. With Tebow around, I wondered if Tim Tebow ever asked him to tone it down a little bit, you know, with his Christian values and all that kind of stuff. And obviously that wasn't brought out, and I don't know if he ever did. But knowing that, you know, Tebow and where he was at and the type of person he was— if if he ever went to Urban Meyer and said, "Hey, could you kind of tone it down a little bit?" Yeah. Because that that was definitely a, a large part well, of there, the.
1: There was a um, there was a part where I think it was Brandon Spikes talked about he he went to a party with Tebow, the one party he went with Tebow, uh, and and um, they're like, "Are you are you him? Are you are you that guy?" He's like, "Yeah," because he was on the poster. maybe it was Brandon uh, and Siler instead. And he and he goes, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm I'm that guy. He's, and the and the girl was like, you're the one that came with Tim Tebow. And like it was constantly, they they he'd like try to show Tebow a, a picture, like a nude picture on his phone, just to get a reaction. And he got all shy about it. And they were talking about how he, he if he's not if he's not reading his playbook, he's reading his Bible. He just wasn't that guy. Um, so there were some interesting. I mean, he there was a tarmac incident after the uh, South Carolina game they lost to Spurrier. Uh, he had him on the tarmac, and he just unleashed on him, on all, and had somebody quit or they kicked somebody off the team from the tarmac. Uh, so that was kind of cool. But to to your point, to all our points, it just it just it wasn't very good. I thought the main thing that I took from it being in the state of Alabama is, and this might be the big difference between Urban Meyer and Nick Saban. Nick Saban, you know, we we hear it ad nauseum. He's focused on the next play, perfection on the next play. You know, do the work and the result will be there at the end. Urban Meyer was only cared about one thing the result that's all he cared about was going undefeated, winning ball games and as they pointed out it it was never enough for Urban. so if Nick so if, it was like a 180 from saving so
2: if Urban Meyer was so concerned about kicking a player off the team and in the the one episode or the one uh, minute or two where he said he didn't like to do that because it well it led to death right. So why did he kick a kid off the team coming off the tarmac?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And there were a couple of different times where they went back to basics. um, And he said a lot of times, I'm going to clean out. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to clean out.
2: You know, I often wonder, too, uh, with the success that they had during those years, how come Netflix hasn't done anything on Nick Saban?
1: Yeah, well, they probably haven't been able to get the access. But there was nothing on, like, t bowing or the eye black he used to wear And how much criticism he got for that Like none of that was None of that was acknowledged um, But it, to your point about Urban Meyer It was so much about winning That he was only kicking guys off That couldn't play Right I mean if 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 you went out and I mean I'm Overgeneralizing here But if you're out there raping and pillaging He's going to keep you if you can score touchdowns That's, that's basically what happened Um and that Tebow couldn't control that that team by himself. He needed Brandon Spikes.
2: Hey, uh, Michael, do yourself a favor. Skip the second. Go to third. One and two, as Mike, as uh, Mark said, very boring.
1: I mean, I will say, I, go
2: I to did, three. I did enjoy
3: it. Like I, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. I. But that being said, I doesn't mean I am gonna become any fan of Urban Meyer. So no,
1: you won't. You won't. In fact, you might like him less.
3: If I was still working the afternoons, I, I certainly would have would have watched all four. But
1: all right, so uh that will dominate a lot of our show today. In fact, we're going to talk to Ryan Green, uh who covers the Gators at seven thirty on that very topic. Uh, uh, South Alabama's Keith gallman set to join us at six thirty. Uh, Renardo Jackson of Lafleur, the coach, he's going to join us at seven. Chris Stewart and Andy Bertram, how about that? Eight and eight thirty. See a common theme there? I do. We'll, uh, we'll get their thoughts on a number of issues, including maybe the the dock. Uh, all right, scoreboard, traffic, weather, we're off and running. Reggie Bush is in the news. That ought to make for fun reading today. We'll tell you all about that coming up as well. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff. We're just getting started on this Wednesday edition. This is Charles
4: Farley from the University of Alabama. You're this to 105.5 WNSP. Roll time.
0: stock much to believe. You know always got extra cigarettes, rolled up in his t-shirt sleeve.
1: All right, 6:25. Welcome back in as we are uh, just getting started here on this Wednesday edition. Quick reminder, this is the last day Lee and I are in the studios for the week. That's right, High School Game Day, the Dr. for Monarchs High School Game Day. We're on the road, back-to-back days. We're headed to Fairhope tomorrow and Baker on Friday.
2: So if you're in the area of Fairhope tomorrow, Baker on Friday, stop by. Yeah. Do we have shirts
1: still to give away? Do we Do we have? It's a great question. Uh, we should ask. We should ask. What we do. We I'm sure shirts. we do. I'm sure we do. I can answer. You can answer. I believe we do. Ooh. I, I, I've never heard a, a more adamant answer than, I believe, I, I we, believe do. we do. I believe
3: we do. Well, sure, I picked up 200 of them before the fall football kickoff party and you know, I don't even think we had to dip into the extra supply of the 200 yeah. I picked up, so Excellent.
2: Yeah, we want to see most everybody in Mobile and Baldwin County walking around with a WNSP shirt.
1: That's our goal. We're we're, taking, we're making an empire. We're uh we're on we're on the way. Did you guys see this uh, it was kind of a late story last night? Reggie Bush. Yeah. Suing the NCAA – He's a, supposed to talk with the media today. He's filing a defamation lawsuit um, uh, cl- claiming a malicious attack of his character.
2: Trying to get his Heisman back and feels that the statements that the NCAA put out tarnished his image, his character, and this is all, again, to get that Heisman, which he won in 05, had to give it up in 2010, and I did I read correctly where what what he's trying to do is show that all his stats should be in place and everything should be in place because what's going on now with NIL would have been
1: yeah so he's basically saying because the rule is what it is today that it should apply to it him it should apply to him right when he was but i think one i don't i don't i don't think that's how it works uh no. Two— Here's the other thing: Isn't the Heisman Trust a separate entity? Yes, that's what I don't understand.
2: I don't understand how this even relates to it. I don't. I mean, if he was given even what, even OJ never gave up his Heisman, although he sold it and got into trouble trying to get it back. But I don't. I don't see. I never understood why he had to give it up because they're not connected.
1: Well, I don't think he's got much of a a a case here, and I'm not a a, clear. I'm not a lawyer, and I didn't say the Holiday Inn Express yesterday, but I, I don't see how his character was hurt i mean did he play in the nfl yes did did he have endorsement deals after the fact yes did does did he get an analyst job yes so I, i'm not sure how the ncaa somehow impacted his life in a negative way other than he gave back the heisman now the ncaa didn't tell him he had to give back the heisman did they i don't
2: know mark and and, and if even if they did th- they can't force him to give it up. They're not a law ab- They can't send police over. there, authorities to try to find it. I don't get it why he even gave it up. Um, and maybe somebody out there knows.
1: I mean, if he wins this, does this mean SMU can sue the NCAA for putting him on de- on the death penalty way back, you know, when Lee was a little tyke? Give the man his Heisman back. Why? Well, first
2: of all, Good when God. you get a Heisman, He's isn't it, it the replica? It. It's a replica. Yeah. It's not the original. You think original. you should get
3: it back? Yeah. Why? I mean, well, why shouldn't he get it back? It's legal to pay players now. What did, he, oh, what did you he see, do that was so egregious? Because the rules were set in place so that what? he broke. So we're we gonna take Johnny Football's Heisman too?
1: He was cleared. No, he was suspended. He was suspended. <laughs> yeah, and then, for three admi- years. and
3: then admitted to everything he did wrong in the documentary that just came out. Just give it back to him.
1: Who, uh, ca- who cares? There's Bronner. That sounds like a debate for later in the show. When we come back, we'll talk some South Alabama. Stay with us right here on the Sports Day. 632 welcome back in the opening kickoff mark lee uh, Bronner here in the studios of wnsp all south
2: alabama home games on saturday start at four that's the kickoff including september 9th in at southeast louisiana get your tickets to get out to hancock whitney at usajaguars.com tickets more information on the jags carter bradley who's become kind of a steady guest on our show selected to his fifth preseason watch list Named to the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award, one of 48 quarterbacks around the nation. When you get out to uh, Hancock Whitney, you get to see Keith Gallman back in action. The Mobile Christian alum who's been our, on our show on occasion is back in action after missing last year with an injury. Keith, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today?
5: Good morning. I'm feeling good.
2: How are you doing, sir? I'm glad to hear you're feeling good. What was it like because I think you were out all last year. I think, was it a pectoral injury? Am I correct on that? Yeah, I, uh, okay. Well,
5: I tore my right pectoral muscle.
2: So what was it like the first time you went out there after that injury back on the field, the practice field, and hitting somebody? Were you a little anxious about it? Were you concerned at all? Or were you just let it all loose and said, so what? I'm going out there and hit.
5: I was just ready to let it all loose once I got out there. It was so much excitement. Then just from not being able to play and not being able to hit somebody. So that first day in the really brought me back to life. I feel right. Like.
2: So this may be a loaded question, but in practice, has it been the defense ahead of the offense or the offense ahead of the defense?
5: I can say it depends on the day. <laughs> Defense comes out some days, and we're out pretty well, you know. But some days, offense comes out hitting a lot of seven days and able to surprise us every now and then. But I feel like the defense doesn't edge right now.
2: Keith Goldman joining us. So, when you're out a year, is there such a thing as getting the rust out? I mean, did you lose a step, or are you back to where you were two years ago?
5: I feel like I am right now. During the spring, there was a little bit of rest I had to get knocked off. I feel like it's just getting back in shape and getting back used to playing. But once you're out there playing for really one or two days, I feel like I'm back to myself.
2: So you get to see Carter Bradley, the quarterback, most of the day in practice. He's been named a five-watch list. You're in a period with the Jags where they've never had as much attention as they're getting. I saw one poll yesterday had them ranked 27th. Uh, I looked at the uh, USA Today poll. They're listed at like, uh, I think, 80. but but, No, I'm sorry. They're listed at 63 above a lot of SEC schools and so forth. How do you feel about this, that you're you're in in an era with the Jags that you're finally getting recognized?
5: I'm just happy for this program, you know. There's a lot of excitement building around the building and around the city of Mobile. So I feel like the attention we're getting is really, you know, it's been a long time coming for all the jacks that's come by throughout the past couple of years that really made these things happen. I feel like for us. i play played with a lot of special players, you know, but this year's team, I feel like, we got a great collection of great leaders, great players that they able – you know, Carter Brad is going to be a great quarterback. He the special things in practice. You know, I can't wait to actually be able to play with him. And that's another thing. And these guys like Ian Banks that's come along so well. And for him to become the player that he is, you know, as he's grown up and matured, you know, it's just a difference between now and two years ago. So I feel like this group really coming together. It's going to be a special year for us. I'm glad for the attention we're getting
2: all right, let me ask you this. As far as the uh, season opening up with Tulane, how much motivation is there going back to losing the bowl game in New Orleans last year? Is this is this motivation that the coaches are using, or is that all behind you now and you're not concerned about it?
5: Uh, I'm thinking there's two aspects. That, you know, there is a lot of thought you know, in between the lines from the players just because they wanna get back to that city and get back what we lost, you know. They've been holding that in for so long, you know, all off season they had to think about that loss but just being able to come out and play again and take that orange to somebody else. It's gonna be fun.
2: Keith, is this your last year at South or do you have another year?
5: This would be my last year at South.
2: So once it's all I am a Once it's all said and done, uh, what are you hoping for? Maybe a trip to the Senior Bowl, uh, NFL draft? Is this in your future uh, wish list?
5: Yes, sir, definitely. Hopefully I'll be able to make the Senior Bowl and get drafted, you know. Just whatever God leads me to, I just hope he has a plan for me, and I just know that he's going to be looking at me. But I just try not to think about it right now. Of course, I want to get drafted and go play somewhere and really be –
1: Grateful for the opportunity, Keith. Before we let you go, who's the one guy on the offensive side of the ball you're ready to knock heads with the most? Be honest. Come on, tell us. Just us. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you talking
5: about South Alabama? Oh uh, yeah. Come
1: <laughs> on. Who who you got to put in your who, who you got to put in their place over there on the offensive side of the ball?
5: Uh, I got to put Devin Boynton in his place every now and then. You know Carter Bradley every now and then. I got to surprise him.
1: Oh, uh, now you, they're not gonna let you touch Carter now, though.
5: No, they don't let me touch Carter. I just try to confuse him. well, we just kind of playing mind games with Carter Bradley. You know, he's a smart guy.
1: Yeah, he is. All right. Well, uh, hey, great to have you back in the lineup. We're looking forward to having you on again, and uh, we appreciate you getting up early with us.
5: Thank you. No problem. Thanks for having
1: me. Yep, that's Keith Coleman, ladies and gentlemen. South Alabama, always uh, always great to uh, hear from the Jags. Uh, We were out last week at Heroes. Uh, We got a chance to to talk to a couple of guys out there. So it's going to be a great season. We're really looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun. Opens up on September 2nd. We're getting close
2: and they'll be at Tulane and that'll be a nationally televised game.
1: All right. This is going to be a thing. I think it's going to dominate the show. I just have a feeling about this. All right. Reggie Bush. Should he or should he not get the Heisman back? Go Bronner.
3: I mean I don't even think this is a remotely controversial take. I I'm surprised you disagree with me. Frankly, I
1: Well, I mean he he broke a rule. Now we can sit here and talk about how ridiculous that rule is, but a rule is a rule and there was an investigation. He was he was he was punished. So he, you should have just lied and said his family came from oil money? Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think I think the current See, here's the problem everybody likes to sit here and talk about how college football everybody cheats right but then we all go up in arms when we finally catch somebody that actually violated rules and we're like but it's just not fair he was really the best player he should get his trophy what no he broke the rules
3: but once again like you just said everybody breaks the it's the double standard for people breaking the rules like some people get away with it, some people don't
1: well that's life dude like what are, what are you talking about? Like how many of us are going above the speed limit out yeah, there and I aren't getting you're, caught? I, I knew you were going to pull out the speeding example. Okay, there. I'll give you another one. When I was 18, it was legal for me to drink alcohol in Louisiana. The legal drinking age was 18 when I was when I was in high school. It, it was? is no longer the rule. It, 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 you now have to be 21. Should I be cited for dry, uh, for drinking underage drinking now? I mean, I did it. The rule now says I got to be 21. Write me up. Write me up. You see how ridiculous that sounds? That's how ridiculous all you sound when you talk about, oh, he should get his trophy back.
2: I don't see why he gave it up in the first place. It's only a replica. It's not the real thing. <laughs> you will take it from my cold, dead hands. Yeah, I mean, seriously, <laughs> when he knock on the door, uh, OJ didn't give up his. He didn't have to give up but after the, rules the trial. But the rules are
1: constantly changing. OJ broke a different rule. Yeah. True.
2: <laughs> like, for instance, okay, the, the Baseball Hall of Fame. Let's say – well, we know there's baseball players in there that unscrupulous things have happened. So if somebody's, – let's say a writer dig dig into it, the career, and said, oh, yeah, I found out this guy back in the 40s was doing steroids. Are you going to just erase him, just take him away, just take his plaque out of there? Well, this is
1: a lot like uh – the the whole Pete Rose thing. I was gone. Oh, well, Rose never got this. in, so it's not like you can take right, it but away. There, but but you see, people are always talking about well, it's been long enough. No, here you see the word lifetime extends throughout his life. Like, like people p- get soft after so long and they decide, Oh, he's been punished enough. Well, the ruling was a lifetime ban. Lee, do you think
3: Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame?
1: Yes. Why? Go. Oh, we've already
2: already talked about this. The Hall of Fame is distance from baseball. Do I think he should be allowed back in baseball? No. He broke the baseball rules. But in the Hall of Fame, there are a lot of people in that Hall of Fame that if you want to make a case against, you could. And with the Baseball Hall of Fame, to me, it's all about the stats and what you did on the field. It's not about what you did off the field, because if you did, you'd have to remove a few other people from the Hall of Fame. So, again, he doesn't belong in the baseball field he doesn't belong in baseball activities no managerial jobs keep him away
1: but, but your your argument cuz you've just said it twice is other people in the hall oh yeah but Here's the thing, guys. Life isn't fair. People are going to get away with things. It doesn't mean we give a get-out-of-jail-free card to everybody just because somebody else gamed the when,
2: system. When Bart Giamatti or Faye Vincent, who followed Giamatti after he passed away, the whole deal was to keep him out of baseball. But again, baseball, Major League Baseball is not tied in so much to the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is, is different. And they have their own set of writers and their own set... I think he should be on the – or should have been on the ballot. And then if the writers don't want to put him in, fine.
1: He committed the cardinal sin of baseball. He did. Nobody I don't know denying exactly what that. that means, but that sounds like it's a pretty big deal. Like it's the one thing you can't do. The one thing.
2: Oh, you don't think any of the players in the Hall of Fame bet? There
1: we go again. But everybody's doing it.
2: Not everybody, but uh, – But
1: the one. But there are other people doing it, so it's got to be – if they get away with it, then 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 – Pete Rose should get away with it. It's the same argument you guys are making about Reggie Bush. Other guys were cheating, yeah, we know.
2: Well, he got his Heisman. Like I said, I don't understand what he gave up because it's not the real thing. They have a replica, so I don't understand
1: well, he's not. He's not. It, well, it's bigger than just the actual trophy. I mean, it's the idea of uh, being the idea. recognized. So, did they erase his? I'm sure they Dude erased wa- his name and took yeah. away all that. Dude just wants to be in the Hosman House commercials. I mean, I don't blame him. It's the
2: greatest commercials of college. Or, or all. maybe a San Diego house. He could have something in there. That's yeah. the, that's that. Well, the, he had plenty.
1: He got a house. He got ten grand right. to furnish it. I mean, his parents lived there rent free. I mean, it was against the rules. In fact, was he worth I'm it? not even sure those that that you can even do that today. I mean, he could make <laughs> NIL. But they can't – boosters can't – can boosters give your family a house today and then give you ten grand to go furnish it? Oh, it's nice to have a prosecutor on
2: the station. It's nice to have a morning prosecutor. Yeah. By the way, um, was he worth it? Was Reggie? For Southern California. Oh, hell yeah. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) He was. That's one guy that they actually benefited.
1: I mean, in the long run, Reggie won. I mean, I know he doesn't – I mean, people – this is the other thing. When people see Reggie Bush or think Reggie Bush – they know he's the best player that year, or however many years he played. Like, there's, I I bet you've asked an average fan is was did Reggie Bush win the Heisman? By the yes. way,
2: how did um, why did Reggie leave that Fox crew? Not you, got, you still have Urban Meyer on that. Yeah, that, that they thing. they brought in uh, Ingram. Ingram, but I'm wondering why what happened. I, I I think I can't remember why they removed him, or did he remove himself from that panel that does the uh, Fox? noontime kickoff or whatever it's called and just think about that bush urban meyer yeah controversial duo i have never watched that show have you i mean is urban meyer any good at it i mean
3: i don't want to compliment urban meyer (laughs) is he any good at it though (laughs) i He's fine on TV. He's he's better he's on right. TV does than he was. Does he, was he in make the good NFL. points or better, better than he was in the NFL for sure? <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> so, but like that, a, that that's that's anything a would bar. be. But that than was the at the
1: end of that Florida yeah. doc. They were like, in they kind of did a here they are now or here's what right. happened. Did they and address they that? Yeah, th- basically th- they th- put the little type up on the screen it was a one-liner.
2: Yeah. What what
3: a, what a way to end it! I did, mean,
2: let, let's go into it a little deeper.
3: Do they say Urban Meyer became the worst coach in NFL history in a brief, less than one year stint? They basically said
1: he lasted for like four, uh, fourteen games or whatever it was. It it I mean, it wasn't flattering, but they glossed over it pretty damn quick. But do
2: you remember why Bush is off that
1: panel? I, I, there
2: was a reason, but I can't remember why. If it was at own, it was his decision or Fox's decision. I'll look into yeah. it. And Mark Ingram, did you see – you know, he's been added, but he said he wouldn't mind getting a callback from the Saints to come and r- run the football What with the running back core depleted.
1: Um, that started because they used his headshot in a program, a Saints program. Like it was – someone used the wrong picture. It was actually somebody else's bio or whatever. And so someone tweeted it out or X'd it out or whatever you do now on social media, and he replied – you know, waiting on the call. So I don't know how serious he would be about such a thing. But um, uh, apparently like he's a dispute over yeah, money. contract dispute. Reggie Bush. See? According to the app, he was probably just suing because he might be broke. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's just looking for a way to make some money. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe even if maybe if he had his hazmat, he'd be selling it for, for some money. Doesn't he do, like, Subway or well, something? Well, the rep- they're only replicas. Oh, Re- uh, yeah, I think... Uh, we hammered I, that point in. What, uh, is he? Wasn't he doing Subway or something commercials for he a while? He was
2: doing commercials. I don't remember the product. Yeah, which is always a uh, a great marketing it, tool when you but, can figure out. But there's out he's an doing opening at State Farm now if he wants it. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's so disappointing. I like the Aaron Rodgers them. State yeah. Farm commercials. That's I'm, I'm going
3: to be taking over them shortly. So. Mm. I, I'm just curious
2: the why, why they would get rid of him because <laughs> there's a chance now playing That's for the Jets check. if It'll they have the kind of season they're hoping that you know his name is still very much alive out there.
1: All right. Uh, Reggie Bush cheating had no direct correlation to his on-field stats. Uh, his mom's house size or checkbook doesn't control a Jet sweep outcome. Okay. Doesn't matter. That's great. Uh, thanks for sharing. Um, you know, Johnny Manziel missed three games, which was a joke, I know, but he was punished for selling autographs. No, he missed one half of or one, one half game. a game. Doesn't what he did off the field didn't impact his ability to throw touchdowns or run for touchdowns? It's the same m- argument he missed, is
3: made. He missed the first half against Rice,
1: and it was ridiculous. I'm not arguing that point. Well, they didn't take his Heisman. They didn't, but because they didn't doesn't mean. There's this like blanket precedent set for everybody. I don't know. Once you start taking Heisman's away, it gets dangerous. So if Reggie, Bush how many Heisman's have been taken away?
3: Uh, only Reggie Bush, to my knowledge. But
1: okay, so why why is it you think they took their his Heisman away? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they should have taken coaches too. But who took it away?
2: Again, they're not connected. The NCAA is not connected to the Heisman Group in New York.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know. So which goes back to our other point. Like, it seems like a stretch that he's suing the NCAA to <laughs> so get his back. So he sue the Heisman, Heisman So people. I guess he's going to sue, and if he wins, then he can go back to the Heisman trust and be like, you see, you see what they said was wrong, so give me back my Heisman. And the Heisman trust would be like, no.
2: And, and why would you—well, we've already had this argument. I want to get into it. We've already established it's a replica. Why would they come and take a replica? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, like, big deal. you and the <laughs> replica, <laughs> You're man. You're really harping on this replica thing. But it's not like they're taking this—, this, this statue, or like like something was, uh, you know, like an artifact or something like that. Big deal.
3: They kind of are artifacts. I mean, a lot of these guys donate them to the school. I'd want it back. Yeah. I mean, I
1: mean, if someone took, even if it were a replica, if I won the Heisman, yeah, I don't care if it's a replica. I don't care if it's uh, care if it's plastic I, I i want it sitting on my mouth so do somewhere. they
3: give you like when you're holding it at the ceremony is it the same one every year and then they give you a
1: different one of replica i'm guessing the fact
2: just to guess i think that you're on to something i okay.
1: think but you don't take the the real one uh, yeah i think we've made that yeah i think <laughs> we've made that <laughs> right. okay really so that point uh on. we're not handing out heisens we got something better some fried deliciousness how about that you can't take that away from me, Heisman Trust. Yeah, but not from, if I eat it.
2: But from now on, we, we're going to have to go through the character of everybody who calls up, and if we find that there's anything against them, we can't give it up. Is that right?
1: I'll, well, I'll based on you money. guys' argument, yes. If there is, if if no, based on w-
2: your argument, I don't care who wins it.
1: No, I'm just saying if you get caught, there's a penalty. I'm not taking. But you don't have class. to give
2: us back the card, gift card, if you get caught.
1: I don't know. Is it a replica? <laughs> yes, they're all replicas. Replica sandwich. Replica sandwich. <laughs> all right, we're wrapping up hour number one. Uh, Renardo Jackson, the LaFleur head coach, set for 7 o'clock. Ryan Green out of uh, Jacksonville on the uh, Gators documentary, also in
4: hour number two. Stay with us. Hey, this is Slick Willie really Shaw from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters. You listen to sports radio WNSP, 105.5 FM. It's... Chick Fil A.
0: I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick Fil A.
1: All right, six fifty-six. Short segment here. Leash Shermanian, what fried deliciousness is up for grabs today?
2: All right, this has to do with wide receivers or receivers in the SEC. Name the last SEC receiver who averaged over 20 yards per reception, the last one. And I'll give kind of a hint. We don't necessarily cover this high school that he attended in the immediate area, but it's in close proximity, if you know what I mean. So it's not Uh, like— We know what you mean, wink, wink. All right. So if you know the answer, uh, give Michael a call at 694-1055, the last SEC receiver to average over 20 yards a catch.
1: All right, and if you uh, if you know the answer, get uh, get Michael on the line there. Uh, so we're going to talk some high school football at 7. Ryan Green at 7.30. Chris Stewart and Andy Bertram in hour number three. So uh, good stuff. Uh, we'll get back to Reggie Bush, um, who is suing, apparently. Oh, we already got a winner, Michael. Wow, it's like they knew we were almost out of time. Pretty impressive stuff. Good job. Congratulations to Wes. You can
3: come pick that up at the station any time.
2: Sammy Coates. Averaged over 20 yards of reception. He was the last one to do it. He played at Leroy High School, just outside our, what I say, our coverage area. We may extend into there, but usually when we talk high schools, we pretty much confine it to Mobile and Baldwin County when we do it for our show on Friday.
1: Yeah, what's the uh, what's the furthest? Is Fairhope the furthest we go uh, by mileage when it's Air
6: Sports One? Yes,
1: Fairhope or maybe St. Michael's? I, I guess think, I think further. Fairhope. further. I can tell you guys there's no better way to get down Highway 98 than at, like, 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> well, here's my awesome. concern.
2: Here's my concern. Driving past the high school at, at 5, 5.30, it's not well lit up. And I, I last time I went there, I, well, it's been a while. I kept driving. I'm like, did I pass it? Is it still within? Am I going to make this?
6: Trust, uh,
1: trust technology, Lee. Go ahead. Punch it in the Google Maps, buddy. It's going to tell you. Take a left in a quarter mile. I'll follow it's you. Be fine. I'll you, follow you, you. You can try. I'll follow. I live you. my life a quarter mile at a time, Lee. You're gonna have to try to keep up.
2: Just abide by the green and red lights. That's all I ask. That's
1: the beautiful thing when you go down that early. Last yeah, time we went down there, to. it's all green.
2: Hey, this morning, so I stop at the red light. Truck comes, Oop. goes right by, red light and all. It Happens so many times when I drive to work in the morning.
1: Do you ever do you ever run a red light accidentally no. or on per- never? Not once in your life. You're like, oh, I've, it's yellow, it's yellow, yellow. Look, yellow I'll red. be up front.
2: I mean, I'll I'll try. You know, the yellow lights, not knowing that they get to red so fast. I've actually gone when it was yellow, and then by the time I got to the other side, it but was red. But you
1: never went over that line
2: no.
3: when it was red. No,
1: like I, thinking, I got nope, it, I got nope, it, I got nope, it. Nope, nope.
3: I gotta address this issue later in the show about this right on red issue I'm having over on Water Street. We'll we'll get
1: we'll get into it later. Have big issues right. over there. Did you run a red light? It, it, it's ambiguous. Give him a ticket. I mean, look. so If somebody else, if it happened to somebody else, if somebody else got ticketed for a red light, you should on, get one too. It depends too. on who you. Ask. You should get one too. Yeah. All right. uh High school football next. Stay with us. All right, here we are after an animated and spirited hour number one. Who knows what the rest of the day holds for us, but it's all going to be good stuff. Welcome in the opening kickoff. Thanks for making us part of your morning. Mark, I'm Alicia and Michael Bronner, all right here in the studios of WNSP.
2: Well, coming up uh, tomorrow, we've got high school football starting up. Uh, I, I, I've noticed where there's been some time changes because of the heat. But as far as I know, LaFleur will open up the season at home in their brand new stadium. Yeah. Yeah, brand new stadium. And as far as I know, it's still a 7 o'clock game. But you know what? I don't know for sure, but I do know somebody who does, Renato Jackson, the head coach. Coach, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today?
4: Hey, good morning, Mark and Lee. How are you guys doing this morning? We're
2: doing wonderful. I talked to you yesterday. You sound so excited about this. Tell me about the, you know, the excitement brewing with your own stadium. That'll be your first game, your first regular season game.
4: Oh yes, man. We are ex- We're extremely excited. Uh, the community is excited. The kids are excited. Uh, it's just going to be a very special night to be able to. Uh, walk out of the field house and and have a home field to defend. Uh, we we've had to play uh, full season on the road last year, so we're excited to have um, our f- first home game.
1: You know what this is like? This is like Christmas. You know you know the family that puts the gifts out under the tree before the big day, and you just have to kind of walk by it for a couple of days. That's like what you guys are going through with the stadium right now. It's like that present's just sitting there ready to get unwrapped.
4: Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and the, uh, the difficult part was uh, we had to walk past that tree for a full <laughs> year. <laughs> so, so we, we, we saw the, the, the gift under the tree uh, around this time last year. It just wasn't quite ready for us to open it. So, uh, man, we're excited. Uh, the, ga- the gates will be open, and uh, we hope the people are in there.
2: All right, what time do the gates open uh, Friday?
4: The gates open at 5.30, um, and uh, kickoff is still at 7. Uh, we will, you know, watch and monitor closely that heat index. Um, but as of right now, we're still planning to kick off at 7.
2: All right, that was my next question. How have you been able to navigate through the heat? What have you been doing differently or just to keep the uh, the, the players alert and not getting uh, cramps and things like that?
4: Yes, sir. Well, man, uh, uh, myself and my staff, uh, we have a great trainer who has a a lot of college experience. I think Ian uh, probably worked on the college level for about 25, 30 years. So he does an amazing job at uh, keeping me informed on when things get dangerous. And uh, to be quite honest, man, my staff and I, we really take um, heat-related illness and cardiac issues seriously because uh, my brother passed uh, from cardiac arrest during the sporting event uh, when we were growing up, So. I definitely take that uh, very seriously. And uh, we alter our practices and then aisle them down as necessary uh, because the goal is always to make it home safe.
2: What's the capacity for the new stadium at LaFleur?
4: I think the capacity is right at about uh, 4,000, maybe a little over 4,000. So we're hoping to get uh, 4,000 screaming Rattler fans in there uh in about 48 hours
2: you're going to be selling
4: bottled water (laughs) yes Mm -hmm. sir we uh we we put the the sam's uh, concession order in overdrive on hydration uh products
2: you got it going now it's one thing to open up a new stadium the excitement how is it as far as your team is concerned it's been a while now since lafleur has fielded uh, a really really good football team how do you feel about this year's team
4: Man, I feel um great about our team going into this season. Uh I'm not sure a lot of people really realize, man, last year we were extremely young. Uh we played some guys, uh, as varsity starters who uh hadn't played football in probably the last six years of their lives. Um, and those guys got invaluable reps. I think we have some uh some new faces, um, that we, we were able to grab and, and, and get out of the, recruit the hallways and get them out there. that are going to be very uh, beneficial to the program as well as themselves. We found a few playmakers uh, inside the hallway, so I'm excited to see uh, everything come together, those additions, as well as um, a few of our returning guys.
2: Let's see. You're opening up against Chickasaw. What do you know about them?
4: Man, um, I, I know that uh, Chickasaw is a well-coached team, and they are actually uh a, a pretty big ball club they have some some big guys and some key places and some athletic kids uh that can make some plays so uh it's going to be exciting to, to get a chance to try to stop those guys and uh and i'm I'm really um you know expecting some great things from this area out of Chickasaw. all right let this me ask you
2: this do you have any uh, pregame ceremonies planned or anything special before the the first game
4: Absolutely not, Lee. I ask everyone around to uh, if if at all possible let's focus on getting the first win of the year and uh, we'll we'll do all of the celebratory stuff uh, when we get this thing turned around here.
2: Very good. Hey, it's great to talk to you, Renardo. We hope to be back in action with you on the uh, opening kickoff. We wish you the best and hope you get that sellout you needed.
4: Yes, sir. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate uh, you guys for allowing us to talk about the game and thank you for everything that you do uh for high school sports in the area
1: thank you coach uh good luck and uh we'll be in touch for sure all
4: right thank you
1: all right we got a couple minutes if you want to jump in at six nine four one oh five five uh lee and i knocked out the uh, gator dock uh we we said we were going to watch episode one Really surprised we me went that you
2: didn't even write anything about it on Ale. dot com, and Bro, I was wondering if that's co- because it's coming. It's coming. Oh, it oh, you are going to? Yes,
1: I just. I, I mean, you know, I, 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 there, I, there were four like, episodes. Readers were dying for no, those thoughts. No, but
2: because normally, Mark, when you when you something grabs you, you know, something in the f- and and I'd be hard pressed to come out with anything that would you know say, well, th- let's let's get this out right away. And like the, f- I told you in going through, I was I went through a lot of these sports internet sites. Nobody did anything on it yesterday. And that's not to say they won't right. down the road. Well,
1: I mean, I didn't finish watching it till uh, almost nine thirty, ten o'clock last night. So at that point, oh, it was gonna be okay, hard okay to I you got you. All in. right, but I can tell you that I am going to write about. Uh, I was done at four <laughs> thirty. Right in time for dinner. Right. Uh, <laughs> I was done at four thirty. I'm I'm gonna write about their thoughts about that loss to Alabama for sure, because uh, I think one of the things it didn't surprise me, but I did find was interesting and I don't want to give the whole thing away, but too late was that how, despite how dominant Alabama was in that game, Florida, even to this day said like, they should have won that game
2: you know what's interesting too about yeah that you see Bronner's response says it all like yeah, you're but, like what but yeah, like no, they
1: were hell bent on t- they, they
2: supposedly in in the final episode and the I almost lost sight of the fact with when they talked about well you know the some of the players were you know getting a little fed up with all the publicity given to Tebow and it wasn't like Tebow's team uh, so much as it is Florida's team and some of the other stuff that went down, that they were still undefeated going into that game. You know, they made such a deal about, well, the struggle. And that's all Urban Mile talked about, you know, the struggle here and the struggle there. Yet they were, you know, running up wins all over the place. And, you know, it, you know, in fairness to him, whereas he's not my favorite coach, I think we've established that. And, and I find him least likable even more so after watching that. The fact of the matter is he did a great job in, in getting Florida back to where they wanted to be because they weren't very good when he took over. and But the thing I didn't realize, and you brought this out, the culture, how he did it. Uh, you know, they often talk about Bear Bryant, uh, you know, the Junction Boys and all that. Well— I tell you, I didn't know coaches could do some of this stuff. Urban yeah, Meyer didn't that get Matt away drill, with it.
1: That Matt drill might be illegal. Exactly. Now. I that, don't. Know,
2: I couldn't believe they got away with
1: some and of this the stuff they Dude, blowing chunks
2: and yeah, it just wasn't there. A player or two that said, "I wasn't used to this." I oh, it was like I was going to war in Afghanistan. Yeah,
1: yeah. They uh, they got after it. They got after pretty good.
2: Um, I, I enjoyed Chris Rainey the interview with him.
1: Yeah, I. think...
6: So like we talked
1: about hour number one, though the the idea of what we thought it was going to portray did nothing. It didn't come close. It they, swung they, and missed.
3: They sold the narrative that, you know,
1: it was going to be, yeah, all, all 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 the controversy. Yeah, Urban sitting there going, "This is going to be bleeping unbelievable." No, it's it was it was the, you know, kid version of how great this team was. But there was a huge fight, which of course they didn't have video of, between Tebow and Spikes uh, at halftime in the Mississippi State game in that final year. Uh, Tebow was playing terrible. Uh, Spikes called him out on it. It splintered the team. And they're trying to make the the narrative in that doc was like it, it was a team divided from that point on. And it started early in the year when they went to the White House and Obama wanted to shake Tebow's hand and people teammates were taken aback by that because the the Tebow mania had gone to a whole nother level. And so Urban Meyer quite frankly did a crappy job of, and he admits this of, of maintaining that, that sense of team amongst all the noise and all the publicity. That's truly shocking. Right? Like what, I mean, you know, this was also a guy that even, they even said it might've been an episode one, Bronner. They even said that he was going to treat his superstars like superstars. Yeah, that was, and
2: everybody else, they had that table. Remember, he talked about the championship champions table. Club. Yep, and they, that kind of caught me off guard too. Because do coaches do that? Do they actually? S- that's not a great thing to do. And <laughs> I can remember, I'll tell you. Uh, and it's not. I'm not saying it's comparable, but I remember when I started covering South Alabama, and we were taking a trip to UAB, and that, and what they did was, Mark, they flew seven players the seven that saw action and the rest of the team bust so (laughs) look i'm not saying it's similar to the championship table eating well versus the losers table in a sense for the players who don't deserve better but that is that fractures a team we went up to uab and got blown out I'm not saying it's because of that so much, but you divide the team. You're saying, okay, here's my seven best players, and I'm taking them by flight. Right. The rest of you, Lee and you, uh, had nothing to do with me. I drive the bus anyway, but you get in the bus. So it, it puts it sent them. You know, obviously, it sent them through their mind that, well, okay, I'm not good enough to be on the flight. So, and the same thing with that. The championship table. I did. I did remember that. How he defined the fact that, yeah, we had we we, we divided the team. I'm not so sure that's a good idea.
1: No, it's it's a horrible. Now look, I mean, I think you do it like Alabama does it for a day or whatever, right? Winners get steak. Yeah, but that's that's right. different. But to continue that throughout the course of the season is incredibly divisive. Um, that's another thing—a
2: a knock against him, as far as I'm concerned—that you would divide your team up like that and, and, and take sides and and instead of trying that that team concept it was already like well tim tebow's team or this or that but and as some of the players said well it's really not tebow's team it's our team
1: something we'll talk to paul feinbaum about tomorrow uh paul was on it, and he said tebow tebow signing with or committing to florida altered the landscape of college football for the foreseeable future now they had mentioned, and we got to take a break here. I know, but they had mentioned it was really down between Florida and Alabama, and they gave, you know, and Urban Meyer was giving him the full court press. I really would have loved to seen or gotten some sort of feedback about how close it was, like because the narrative in this state was that Chula had no chance at at Tebow. You know, he had the uh, he had the Florida mailbox, and he was going to always go to Florida. But Urban saying. He didn't even know who the kid was when he got there. Like people kept telling him, "You had to go recruit Tebow," and so he had to give him like this full court press. And even Tebow said he wouldn't get any love from Florida. So there's the Alabama narrative, and there's that Florida narrative, and I gotta believe there's some there's there's some truth somewhere in the middle that I'd love to hear. And they never really touched on it with Tebow about how close was he, you know? Was Shula really in a position to grab? Because it made it sound like. The Gators came in at the last minute and and took him from Alabama, but I never got that impression in real time.
2: I just remember that the narrative was that Shula spent what eight hours? Yeah. And uh, we were talking on the air about this. What 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 do you need? Why do you need eight hours? What are he, you talking cause about? Because he was everything. But he, what
1: do you, you sit down with a guy for eight hours? You don't leave cool. until he agrees.
2: Well, obviously he wasted those eight hours then.
1: I see. That's where I see. I disagree. I disagree. It was totally worth it, even for him to say no. Can't hit the ball if you don't swing the bat. Just saying. All right, score board, traffic and weather. Stay with us.
7: Hi, this is Jim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP.
3: You have never seen any player in the entire country plays hard as I will play the rest of the season and you never see someone push the rest of the team as hard as I will push everybody the rest of the season you never see a team play harder than we will the rest of this season
1: 725 that was a, one of the moments you know the other thing too someone brought up a great point we didn't get to um, and only mentioned here was when his phone number got leaked to the LSU fan base Some of the things that were texted to him, thousands and thousands of messages, Um, just brutal, just absolutely brutal. But I digress. All
2: right. uh, We're going to be out at uh, Fairhope and Baker Thursday and Friday for the Dr. Christopher Mullenix uh, game days. He, again, is our title sponsor. He and Dr. Aaron Wallander. Uh, perform a range of surgeries from dental implants, wisdom teeth, jaw surgery, and much, much more. Dr. Mullenix has revamped my mouth. He's practically redone it with about seven or eight uh, dental implants. And I'm happy to say that he did a great, great job. He's very professional and and very personal, become a very good friend. Um, He was voted uh, 2023 Best Oral Surgeon in Mobile. I'd certainly uh, uh, go along with that. Uh, You can visit mobileoralsurgery.com or call 471-3381 you don't need a referral most times you can get day of appointment if you have any problems they're located at 715 downtown or boulevard
1: uh yeah so like some of the text messages we're talking about just going after his family and and talking about
2: why do people do that
1: I, i i guess i'm just so
2: different i mean i just it's Hey, it's a game. It's a sport. I mean, it's not life and death. Although Urban Meyer made it sound like that.
1: Yeah, he he was, but he said he never talked trash before in his life. That game. Oh, Tebow, Tebow, he talked yeah. trash just because, because oh, it's it life was and so. And
2: death. It was so. It's life and death.
1: Oh yeah. Even Mom said it was basically like he was referring to it. So it's Michael, just,
2: you it, think sports is when you watch it? It's life and death, like gladiators, like in Rome back in the day.
1: Mm. Are you
3: not detained? <laughs> depends on the game tennessee loss certainly felt like do you take losses hard
1: michael yeah i do oh uh, it's gonna be so much fun this football season
3: well it's funny lee i, I i've kind of evolved i used to it, it, it depends on your perspective which one is worse like when i was like 14 or 15 i used to like you know really like tear up my basement and like throw things and get really upset and now you know, I, now I'm an adult. Now I just sit there in silence and like don't say anything for like an hour and and just get really depressed and upset. You, you know, tell me which is worse.
2: No, I, I well I I feel for you. Maybe you should take some Ambien. Is that <laughs> what Urban Meyer <Wire laughs> uses? But yeah, the, the, I'm uh, only kidding. I don't even know what that is. The but
3: Tennessee <laughs> loss. I don't think I
2: spoke. Michael, for I had a, a co-host. Uh, actually, I won't get into names, but he was my first. And pause. <laughs> do I know nothing good? I didn't even hear what you said. Uh, it's it's a it's a kid term. It's all good. All right, and he basically the year that Alabama went downhill and didn't have a good year went into what I what he said was a dark side depression and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a game. It's a sport. I mean, you, yeah, you get happy when you win, but it's not the end of the world, is it?
3: Well, we'll see what happens this year, won't we?
2: Well, you should have you should be okay for Saturday. I'm worried about you on Sundays.
3: Well you know it my entire mood for the week depends on how the weekend goes in the fall See, so.
1: when i hear things like this i i pray for losses just so i can just I just, just, nudge, just just no just just you don't want him to come in depressed i think mark does it's be good content oh, i do John. Is. i really really do all right stay with us what's next ryan green on uh the florida gators stay with us it's the opening kickoff thanks for hanging with us the opening kickoff continues right here on the sports station wnsp all right we've spent a lot of time talking about the netflix four-part
2: series on the swamp kings this would be about the uh urban meyer uh getting florida back into the national picture and somebody who has followed florida and urban meyer even at jacksonville my good friend ryan green he's the uh, he's a radio broadcaster down there at 1010 xl jacksonville beach good morning ryan how are you
8: today Lee, I'm good, buddy. How you doing?
2: Good. I, uh, Mark and I both watched all four episodes yesterday. To start our conversation, what was your take on it?
8: Uh, it brought back a lot of memories, truthfully, uh, because that's a life, like you said, that a lot of us here in the media lived in following that football team. And, and it brought back memories to me, and, and maybe you guys and your audience won't like it, out in the state of Alabama, but when the very first 30 minutes of episode one When the Tim Tebow recruitment was being talked about, I don't think people here either remembered or they had just, you know, not mentioned it in the last 18 years. Tim was very, very close to going to Alabama. I mean, very close. He had a nice relationship with Mike Shula. In fact, when I went to Nice High School the day that he was announcing on ESPN, I had heard from a teammate of his. Their father, so a father of a teammate of Tim Tebow, that they thought it was Alabama that morning. So when he went to Florida, it was obviously a pleasant surprise here locally, and it probably altered the uh, the Southeastern Conference and the history of college football forever. That was. Uh, a nice memory for our Gator fans that have watched that series over the last day or two.
1: Yeah, so we were hoping, or at least I was, that they would have expounded on that a little bit more to hear more about that because the narrative here in the state was that, at the time, Ryan, was that Shula was never going to get Tebow. He had the the Gators mailbox, and he was just a Gator fan from the get-go, and it, it was like he was wasting his time. So to hear that version of it, I think uh, piqued a lot of people's interest in this state. Unfortunately, we just didn't get into it.
8: Yeah, no, Mark, I mean, look, it was, I can tell you, again, the, the father of a teammate of Tim's told me he thought it was going to be Alabama. And again, that was 18 years ago, and obviously we know it wasn't, but it was a neck-and-neck neck race. And keep in mind, Florida had not even really been recruiting Tim Tebow. Yeah. I thought they did an interesting job at the first part of the documentary. Urban didn't know who he was. He came to Jacksonville to do a speaking engagement to one of the Gator clubs, and everybody's like, "Hey, you got to go look at Tebow." And Urban's like, "Who?" He had yeah. no idea, and so many people told him. He finally got out to Nice High School, and you know, certainly the rest is uh, the rest is history when you consider the domino effect as well. Brandon Spikes, Percy Harvin. The guys that came to florida literally because tim tebow came here
2: ryan green joining us uh, radio broadcaster night show down there in jacksonville beach so you know how believable is urban meyer because in yesterday's netflix he says when tebow called him and i guess he was going to tell him i'm going to florida he said his cell phone went out and he didn't know what direction this was going until the press conference was that actually something that happened
8: Yeah, I I had heard that. Again, this is all a long time ago, but it brought back, like I said, a lot of memories. I had heard something along those lines. I was told the Florida staff really did not know until about five minutes before the announcement live on television. Uh, They thought it was a very, very close race. Again, Alabama was in on Tim very early. So was LSU. Uh, LSU was in on Tim very early. Florida had a lot of ground to make up, and to Urban Meyer's credit, he knew he could not run what he wanted to run with a quarterback like Chris Leak, which, by the way, I, I don't think Chris Leak um, was done a whole lot of favors in this documentary. Chris Leak was an incredible quarterback at the University of Florida, absolutely incredible. And he was put into, to my opinion, an unfair position because the fans just loved Tim Tebow. And, and I remember sitting in the swamp back then when Leak would come back on the field when they would take Tebow off, and the boo birds would rain down. I always felt terrible for Chris, because if you look at the Florida record books, Chris Leak is very high among quarterbacks that have ever played at the University of Florida, yardage, passing touchdowns, et cetera. Uh, It's just Tebow had that it factor that we all know about, and that one-two combo in 2006 at quarterback was the reason Florida did win that first national title.
1: So he, I got one big issue and then a, a smaller issue with the doc, and I think the three of us agree, and I'm curious to get your take. My biggest problem with this documentary was that I just found it hard to root for Urban Meyer. Like, I don't – he's not likable. I don't like him. Even the Johnny Manziel, you 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 kind of rooting for him, uh, even though there were some things he didn't do that you didn't like. He just – Urban is just not likable, and I don't know if – Florida Gator fans or, at this point, Ohio State fans feel the same way. And then the second thing was I thought this was very much a Disney version of what that program went through during the course of that. Like, everything we wanted to see and hear about, we just didn't get any of it.
8: Uh, Mark, two thoughts on that. Number one, Urban is not a likable guy unless you're in his inner circle. If you're in his inner circle, I know friends very close to Urban Meyer, they'll tell you he's a great dude. Uh, But there's just not many of them. Irvin's a very uh, close-to-the-vest kind of guy. He just doesn't bring a lot of people inside that inner circle. And it was interesting. Uh, Florida fans loved him, obviously, back then. Yeah. And then when he had to go spend time with his family, and that took 354 days before he (laughs) took the job at Ohio State. I guess he got enough family time in that 354 days. I mean, look, Irvin jumped off the Titanic. After Tivo was gone and the Pounces and Brandon Spikes and all them were gone, he had not been recruiting how he should have been at that point. He saw the writing on the wall and he bailed and, you know, the family thing. And then ultimately he ends up in Columbus, Ohio. So then Gator fans went from loving him to not standing him. Then he comes to Jacksonville in 2021 when he gets hired here. All right, let's give him another chance, you know? And then obviously that's the worst head coaching hire maybe in the history of the NFL, so now people have gone to not standing him again. So it's been a very seesaw, emotional um, deal with uh, fans in our area and Urban Meyer. To the Disney point of what you said, look, I don't know this, but here's my assumption. They used a lot of footage from the University of Florida archives. Yeah. They used a lot of footage that they were not Netflix did, that they were not going to be able to get their hands on without the permission of the University of Florida. My assumption is... Florida said, all right, we will give you access to all this stuff. You can interview all these guys, knock yourself out, whatever. Keep the Aaron Hernandez stuff to minimum, if not at all. Because for them to not really bring up Hernandez at all, I think they mentioned him very, very briefly in one of the episodes. That, to me, just rang out that Florida must have had some handshake agreement with Netflix. We'll give you access to a lot of stuff. We do not want you to talk about Aaron Hernandez.
2: Ryan, great stuff, because that's what I was going to ask you. I was very disappointed, because I knew about most of the stuff on the field, that they left the tabloid stuff pretty much off to the side and didn't get into it. Even the director was quoted as saying they did not go deep into the news uh cycle and the reports off the field but I did want to ask you were you aware in that year they were undefeated going to the SEC championship game that there was a lot of dissension on the team as brought out between Tebow and some of the other players who felt he was getting too much attention
8: there was talk about that at the time keep in mind the year that Alabama beat them a lot of weird things have been happening I know Carlos Dunlap got arrested the week of that game with that DUI and he didn't even play, uh, I believe, in the first half or maybe the entire game of that SEC championship game that Alabama ended up winning. Uh, how can you not be a little jealous of Tim Tebow? And, and by no fault of Tim's, okay? I am a huge Tim Tebow fan, but, I mean, the guy might as well been, you know, they talk about the Beatles, right? He's an absolute rock star on that campus. It's only natural as a human being that you would start to maybe – resentment might not be the right word but jealousy certainly would creep in particularly after four years of that 06 07 08 and certainly in 2009 so uh, we didn't hear it a lot but there were rumblings that there may have been issues in that locker room and then ultimately uh, they lost to Alabama although to their credit they came back and they just annihilated Cincinnati I believe in the Sugar Bowl to end that year 12 and 1 so at least they went out on a high note
1: Ryan Green's our guest here on WNSP, and I, I guess to my previous point about Meyer not being likable, it, it was just a weird dynamic because you're cheering. You know, Tim's always very good, so he was great. Uh, Brandon Seiler, I thought was fantastic in the doc, and um, and then so was uh, Spikes. I thought he was fantastic. So there were there there was this weird dynamic in this documentary where you're kind of rooting for these guys, but then Urban would come on, and you're just like, I I I just I can't I can't get on board with it.
8: Well, what we kind of thought was funny is when Urban's talking, at least in a couple of the scenes, you can see the Matthews Bridge here in Jacksonville in the background. So when the guy was supposed to be coaching the Jaguars, he was talking to Netflix about the University of Florida, (laughs) which that just goes to show you about the time he put in, investing in what he was doing here coaching Jacksonville. So that certainly has gotten a little uh, attention on our program's Uh, since the documentary was released. I mean, that's the kind of guy Urban is. Yeah, Uh, Urban is, I mean, I hate to say he's not a likable guy, because, I mean, I'm sure he does have friends, I mean, his family. I mean, we don't want to knock the guy. But in my interaction with Urban Meyer and people I know here in Jacksonville for the 13 awful weeks that he was the head coach and the six months prior to that that interacted with Urban Meyer, I have heard horror stories about urban meyer have i personally seen him you know kick a kicker or throw people out of practice or or you know do everything that he was accused of doing here i haven't personally seen it but i've talked to enough people that were down at that stadium when he was here in jacksonville and leads me to believe that urban was just simply not a very good guy when he was here, and if he wasn't a very good guy when he was here, you can only imagine what he would have been like ten, fifteen years prior.
2: Yeah, because I thought the uh, you know the theme I came away was well, now I know what the culture was all about. He was running like a military camp and so forth. I was kind of brought into when you know with all the the arrests and all that where he talked about giving second and third chances because of letting go of that one really good player who eventually died. That was brought out. So then why was he letting players go? They talked about the tarmac. They came off uh, the tarmac after a bad loss, and he threw players off the team. So on one hand, he's saying he didn't want to let players go because he was worried about their future because that was football was their life, and yet he's throwing players off left and right elsewhere.
8: He didn't want to let good players go, Lee. If uh, you were not a, a starter or a contributor, like I know a couple of the guys, I, the, the two tarmac guys, I think I know one of them, I don't know the other one, but they weren't exactly um, big parts of the Florida football program. I mean, if Brandon Seiler would have been doing things on the tarmac, or if, you know, name your, name your gator, Tim Tebow, Brandon James, would have been doing things on the tarmac they would not have been thrown off the tarmac, thrown off the team. So, Urban picked and chose, And like you said, he treated the superstars like superstars. He treated the, you know, like it was, I think was the quote. Can't say that on on your show, certainly. Uh, I thought it was interesting they brought up the Champions Club as well. You know, the fact that if you were in the Champions Club, you were getting steak and lobster brought to your table. If you were not, you had to go get your hot dog and your hamburger. And, And the players, to their credit, at least Brandon Seiler, I believe, said look a lot of coaches do that almost all coaches do that but they don't make it that recognizable and he almost appreciated urban for that that he wasn't sugarcoating things that he wasn't hiding things you talk to a lot of urban's former players at florida tebow especially but the other guys they have a high opinion of urban meyer at least the ones i talked to major Ryan, Ahmad black we're actually gonna have tate casey on my show later on today he of the jump pass against lsu which was featured in the documentary. A lot of Urban's former players really like Urban. It's the media, it's the fans, it's the opinion outside that building that is so negative of Urban.
1: Is the uh, Green family going to be participating in any mat drills this weekend? Uh, Boy, you know, it's
8: funny you say that, Mark, because uh, when we look at the mat drills, right, and we always hear about mat drills, and that's one of the things in the documentary that I learned. Look, I knew they were somewhat brutal, But my gracious, I mean, I didn't know it was like that. And the midnight workouts that they had as well, when Tebow said that's one of the best uh, nights of his life or some of the best nights of his life, going in there and lifting instead of going to parties. I mean, it was a crazy situation in Gainesville. But to their credit, they were awfully good and they won an awful lot of football games. And Urban Meyer, I mean, whether Gator fans like him or not, the bottom line, he has doubled the national championships at Florida as opposed to Steve Spurrier. Spurrier with one, Urban with two. So Urban forever, whether Gator fans like it or not, will go down as the most successful football coach in the history of Florida football.
2: Was he booed, as he said, he was booed when he went into a restaurant or something after a loss or two in Gainesville? Yeah, no, that,
8: was in, that was in the first year in 2005. People were so mad that Spurrier beat them in 05. <laughs> so mad. And I'll tell you this, the Jarvis Moss block in 06 um, that saved the national title for them, if Ryan Suckup hits that kick and Spurrier beats him two years in a row, I honestly don't know if we would be sitting here talking about Urban Meyer because fans were so mad about 05. If it would have happened again in 06, there would have been a lot of people screaming to get him out of there. I'll tell you a quick aside about the Jarvis Moss block that won them the national title or he's kept them alive. In that win over South Carolina, the very next week they play Western Carolina and Moss got popped for weed. So he had to be suspended seven days later. Now, let me ask you guys something. Do you think he got popped for weed after the field goal block? That's a little bit of a coincidence, right? Sure. He plays against South Carolina. He doesn't play the next week against Western Carolina. Give me a break. That's just some of the things that happen at big-time college football programs, and it happened back with Florida in that '06 season.
1: Ryan, great stuff. I mean, we can do three hours. We've basically done three hours on it. Um, I'll leave you with with this thought, though. To your point about Spurrier, though, it was really interesting because he talked about how he had to beat Spurrier. Like he just he felt like they were almost cheering for Spurrier. Uh, it just showed kind of that paranoia, I guess that that manifests itself. Over over that short period of time where he was in Gainesville, it was fascinating stuff. We man, we appreciate it. Let's do it again soon.
8: Hey guys, take care. Anytime, it's football season. Call me whenever you need me. We yes, will,
2: Ryan.
1: Thank you ever so much. Uh, yeah, Tebow loved him Friday, Saturday night, so he wouldn't have to go. Uh, he wouldn't have to go to the parties. They tried to go get him to go to. He went to like one party.
3: That was one of the funnier lines yeah. of episode one. <laughs> they were talking about the midnight workouts and cuts to Tebow. And he's just like. It was awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and Brandon Siler had gone or taken him on a scooter to a party, right? Um might so, have been
3: past episode
1: one. Oh I have th- not. Well maybe it was. So uh it was either Siler or it was uh Spikes, who took him on a, a scooter because he said he wanted to hang out with him. I thought it was Siler. I uh, wanted to hang out with him, and he thought he wanted to go party with him. So they get to the party or whatever, and some girl comes up to him, he's like, Are you are you the guy? And Siler's like yeah, I'm the one on the poster. Yeah, that was. He's like, no, are you the one that brought Tim Tebow? And she's, and he's like, what? Uh, it was just, it was, it was. There were some really great parts. Siler and and um and Spike were really good in that. All right, let's take a quick break. We come back. We'll wrap up hour number two. Uh, Chris Stewart and Andy Bertram in hour number three. Continue with your comments in the app. Okay. Should Reggie Bush is getting ready to sue the NCAA. By the way, we got into a heated topic or heated debate: Should Reggie get his Heisman back? Bronner says yes. What do you say, Lee? He should have never had it taken away. And I think y'all are both crazy. That's what our number three is shaping up to be. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP.
4: I'm Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP 105.5. It's a
0: and again, the 2-2 pitch. Oh. Line drive
8: off the glove of the yes. pitcher. Into yes. right center field. He's got in. Here comes Marsh. He's yes. heading home. The Phillies have won the yes. ball game. It's a
0: party at Citizens Bank Park.
2: Phillies with a walk-off win over the Giants yesterday. That was a uh, rally by Trey Turner had the uh, two-run single. Trey Turner who struggled early in the year has really come on strong now with a lot of key hits for the Phillies and right now they've got the top card position in the National League all right got uh, dr uh, james spires a uh, good friend of ours is on the line with us right now dr spires good morning <clears throat> how are you today
6: doing great Lee. how are you
2: good what i wanted to get you on for for our hunters any suggestions on duck hunting and where to go and the best place to go
6: yeah we've got a place in southeast wyoming it's 157 the number is 157 outfitters uh and uh We're uh, in southeast Wyoming about uh, an hour from Cheyenne. We have the best goose hunting in North America and some really great mallard hunting. Uh, We have 14 ranches leased. We hunt with underground heated pits, all-inclusive hunting for three days. Uh, It includes a lodging. You don't have to bring guns. We supply the guns. We supply all the ammo. We supply state championship guides, the dogs, everything. You just show up. Uh, only thing you're responsible for is your food, and you, generally we cook your breakfast in the pits. The pits are all underground. We hunt from, and they're heated. Cook breakfast. Uh, just thousands and thousands. You may see 10 to 15,000 geese flying over here every day uh, in the mornings. And uh, we also have pheasant hunting during the day if you want to do something a little different and actually uh, county hunting at night. So we do a little of everything, and it's, uh, it's a place to go. But just look on 157outfitters.com. That's 157outfitters.com, and it gives you all the details.
2: You still have openings now for December 1st for ducks and also geese?
6: We do, uh, and you can hunt duck and geese in the same hunt, uh, and we uh, not just mallards, but all geese. You can uh, you can shoot five mallards, and then they, they give you bonus ducks. You can shoot five geese, and that's every day. We generally do groups of three or four. Uh, the seasons run from December 1st through February the 12th. So, and we do have some openings left, and uh, we can hunt two groups at once. But anytime you come, you will be in the lodge by yourself with your, uh, your groups. So you won't be stuck with other people, and the lodges are beautiful on the North Platte River. You just can't beat it. All
2: right, one final. Again, how do you register? How do you get in touch with uh, your son, Peyton?
6: Yeah, Peyton runs it. Uh, he's uh, he's up there in Wyoming. It's 157outfitters.com. That website has a link to Peyton. It shows you a bunch of pictures and uh, what you can expect. Uh, and uh, it's just, uh, except for we have new lodges. The lodge pictures in there will be different. We're going to update that. These lodges are much nicer and out in the country. So, but 157outfitters.com.
2: Thank you, Dr. Spires. We'll be in touch. Have a wonderful day. Thank, thank you.
6: Thank you, Lee. Bye-bye. All
1: right. Yeah, we got a minute or so here each. Why should Reggie Bush get his. Uh, one of you explain to me why Reggie Bush should get his Heisman back with one caveat. You can't tell me because other people cheated or other people did worse and didn't get there. That's the one you can't use that reason. But make a case, defense lawyer Bronner or Cervenian.
2: Well, again, I'll, I'll say this again: the, the, the Heisman, he's got a replica. I can't imagine anybody going to his house, knocking on the door, and say, "Give it, give us the replica." Now, if you're going to take it away from the Heisman, the Heisman to me is separate from the NCAA. There, there really is no connection. The NCAA is a, is basically the, the schools, you know they 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 the overview of all the schools and everything. Uh, the colleges, universities make up the NCAA. It is not an entity of the Heisman. The Heisman voters voted for him, so to me, that's a separate entity, and that shouldn't be there shouldn't be a collision on that.
1: Mr. Bronner.
3: I, I just don't think it's a big deal what he did, <laughs> it's, uh, you know. A, a, and I know you, you said I can't say everyone did worse, but, you know, I'd say to you, you can't say, uh, oh, well, he got caught. You know you know I it's, mean? It's he did get caught. Say, there were
1: rules. There, he broke rules. Well, so did other people. If you – but they didn't get caught. <laughs> yeah, they were
3: just better at hiding it.
2: Did I don't the, know. Did the I, Heisman – Organization take it away, or did the NCAA? I never really got the gist of that. Who took it it away? It's a
3: good question. I'll look into it more at the break because I'm really not honestly quite sure about that either. But yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone should have their Heisman stripped. I don't think Pete Rose should not be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, we're talking about two different things here. I don't think OJ should have his Heisman stripped. He didn't. I know, but but the
2: Heisman got him into trouble, though. Do you remember? What yeah, happened?
3: D- yeah, with the memorabilia incident yeah. in Las Vegas. I Some, mean, that's a separate issue. I, I, it is a separate
2: issue. But, again, they're, they're separated. It's not like it's an NCAA trophy.
1: You guys just failed miserably. Cook, who said that you did any better? The jury is at... How can you not follow the logic that there were rules that were very clear? Those rules were broken, and he was penalized for it. Like, no. I, don't, I don't understand how they're— The hanging that's judge a so- that's a sound. That's as sound an argument as I can think of on any topic. All right. Is the
2: Heisman, when the uh, they say this is what you have to do and everything, do they include that, that if you break any rules,
1: they can take your trophy away? I don't know. Do they? I'll find out for you. Please. Is there like a
3: Heisman code of conduct?
1: Actually, there is. Oh, I'll have to study up. Yeah. You walked right into that one. <laughs> it was a legitimate question. <laughs> Chris Stewart's next. all right, eight oh four. The opening kickoff continues another animated and spirited episode. We appreciate you making us part of your morning. And in this
2: hour, uh, we're gonna talk some Alabama, we're gonna talk some Auburn, and we'll start it out with Chris Stewart of the Alabama Radio Network. Chris, good morning. How are you today?
7: I, I'm good. I'm just trying to figure out am I animated or spirited? Which, both which category you're, you're,
1: you're all under. You're both.
7: You okay. are, you, one are one me.
1: you are spiritually animated. Uh, yeah. Pentecostal Chris, my approach, I, I, think I,
2: I think it's well documented. You fill all the boxes. <laughs>
7: whatever whatever you ask me to do, I'm, I'm ready whatever, to go.
2: whatever, Whatever question we ask you, you can take off on. Let's start I with can Alabama. dodge fo- it
7: however you want ab- me to dodge <laughs> it. <That's> absolutely.
2: <laughs> Let's start out with Alabama practice sessions and so forth and what you've been able to ascertain so far about the Crimson Tide team.
7: I, I think they really like where they are at this stage, and again, there comes a point where you just need to play somebody else before you really know, and I'm not sure they're at that point yet, but they're really close, probably will be by the end of the week where they're ready to just just go play somebody else, but I I think there'll be the excitement of next week, the true game week mode that changes things and, and changes everybody's yeah. Mental approach as well as maybe physical. Uh, I've got to think there's some some challenges that come with this week because you've got the two big scrimmages out of the way, uh, or behind you anyway, I say out of the way, but really just me more from having them behind you. You're not in game week mode, but you've still got to, you've got to be locked in, focused, and get everything done so that next week is purely about MTSU. And I think that's what, will, or or more about MTSU, and I think that's what we'll see. I I think probably that mental focus and discipline is as much on Nick Saban's mind today in the next few days as anything else.
2: Have you ever, ever in your long broadcasting career run into a coach uh, prior to the season and said, we're ready to go even a week or two before the start of their first game? And they all play that down. Ah, oh, we need this. We need to do that. But have you ever had a coach say, "Yeah, let's. We're ready. Let's go."
7: Yeah, we're we're great. I wish we could play for the national championship right now. You're not going to hear that. Uh, but I do think most of them, not all, but most, do fall into that category of, you know, we know we're not, we know we're not a finished product, but we've done all we can do against each other. It's time to go play somebody else. And I think that's part of why, you know, the NFL with the, the, the mixed practices or whatever you call those uh, joint practices and workouts, uh, I'm not going to say have it better, but they have a little better gauge of who they are going into the opener. Not only do you have the, the actual exhibition games where you're facing somebody else, but uh, I think those, those controlled scrimmages – probably help matters because there's only so much you can do it's like coach talks about all the time you can't get excited when the offense looks good for you because you're worried that your defense has gaps and if your defense is dominant you're worried about whether or not your offense can move the football so you don't know that until you see somebody else on the other side
2: if you were picking the quarterback right now to start who would you select
7: <laughs> I would select somebody else to pick the quarterback. Is what what I would do. My guess, and again, I'm I'm just giving you the guess that Jalen's going to be the guy that gets the first snaps. Uh, I'm not basing that on anything else other than what we've you know kind of kind of pulled so far. We got? Did I? Did you lose me? No no we're uh, you're still coming in oh, okay no good deal I, I'm sorry I thought you somebody was talking to me I thought I heard a uh, voice no. too
2: but I wasn't sure who that was. I thought that was maybe somebody with you
7: no 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 it's uh not a problem but anyway now i I think that you start with Jalen um, just because he's got more experience there on campus and and he has actually you know started a ball game and and uh and he's also done enough things probably in the in the start of camp that you give him the first look in that situation. But there's probably a plan that he gets a series two and then you see time. Uh, and how far it goes beyond those two in the opener probably determines how the game goes, but also how those guys are playing. But Again, you're asking me to take a guess, and that would be my guess, is that Jalen would get the snaps first. But I'm not basing that on anything other than, uh, you know, what we've heard Coach say first and foremost, but also uh, who we've seen the most of over time there at Alabama. Coach tends to lean that direction if the player has has shown some ability to move the football, and I don't think there's any doubt Jalen has shown that. We in circumstances.
2: Chris Stewart joining us from the Alabama Radio Network. We always like to talk about it, different subjects with you. Did you watch the Netflix thing yet, Swamp King, Florida at all?
7: You well, know, it's funny you say that because I, I haven't seen the documentary, but I happened to see on Twitter this morning just a, a little bit of a, a lean in, lead into it. And look, Florida's had some – how many national championships have they won? Three. Steve Spurrier won one. They had two more Urban won two. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. You're on So there was there was somebody there was somebody that shall remain nameless but who covered the Alabama beat for a long time who had a great line when they had they were celebrating I don't know, this has been 15, 20 years ago, they were celebrating a hundred years of Florida football, the centennial of Gator football. And they had the logo that said 100 years of Florida football. And the guy Joe you have to look at the fine print, in the 20 of it we actually talk about. Because Florida football was okay, but it was far from great uh, until Steve Spurrier came back. You know, they didn't uh, as great as Coach Spurrier was. And if you don't believe me, just ask him. Uh, he won one title, and... Urban, um, you know, had a couple, which was great. And I'm not minimizing who and what they they were. But, you know, Florida is – they haven't slipped at the level that Tennessee did for a decade and a half, two decades. But they haven't been national championship good in a little while now. So it's going to be interesting to watch where that's where this goes for them i like billy napier i think billy napier is a really good football coach uh i pull for him personally but it's tough to pull for the gators um but i that's a i didn't answer your question i have not seen it but i saw the promo (laughs) for
1: it well the promo might have been the best part uh, okay. if, if you're looking for if you're looking for the 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 nitty gritty, the dirty, the the you know the TMZ type stuff that it kind of hinted at, we don't get any of it. It's the Disney version of it all.
7: Well, I look. You would think for Netflix that the there's you know you've got the absolute wonderful image in all ways that you want to have magnified with Tebow, but then the absolute lowest depths that you could go into um, with, is it Hernandez? What's his name? Um, The receiver that was charged with murder and then I think died in prison. By Aaron Hernandez. Oh, yeah, Hernandez. So, yeah, so... I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff in between there as well. And it, it's not a, uh, it's definitely not the you <laughs> in, in that documentary and all the content that's available. But there's some stuff there that you're right. They could have gotten into the weeds and it would have been probably a pretty interesting documentary.
2: Chris, I've I met Steve Spur. I've actually talked to him. I like him. I always did. He has, really, he has a really cocky attitude, but I enjoy him. I can't say the same thing about Urban Meyer, and I know on this show we've talked about that he doesn't, he doesn't come across as a very likable guy, and, and even more so in that four-episode documentary. And you mentioned you mentioned Spurrier. I actually, even though he was all about you know the ego and everything, I enjoyed listening to him and talking to him.
7: Keith Spurrier, one of the funniest, whether it's intentional or not. Uh, I've forgotten whether it was an SEC championship or a bowl game or a playoff game. But when I was still doing sidelines in the broadcast, he was among a list of players that was being recognized before kickoff down on the field for a game Alabama was in. And he's standing there and nobody's around him. And I just strolled over, introduced myself, and said, Coach, Obviously, followed you with the Gators. I said that I was a teenager who was a huge Birmingham Stallions fan, and was at every game you guys played with the Tampa Bay Bandits when he was the coach and John Reeves was the quarterback. Gary Anderson, an Arkansas great, was the running back for them. I said I was at every game. I think in Birmingham between the Bandits and the Stallions. He goes, oh, yeah, I had some great names. He said, so you know I was pretty good from way back. And I just started laughing. I thought, wow, this guy really ain't lacking for confidence. That's for sure. And I said, yeah, coach, knew knew you you were going to be pretty good. So uh, he's just, again, pretty entertaining, candid, uh, not always in agreement with his candor but always candid and entertaining, even when he doesn't mean to be.
1: Chris, as always, we man, we appreciate the time. We uh, we look forward to doing it again next week. Uh, it'll be game week by then. so. Uh, yeah, let's
7: look forward to it, guys. Thank you for having me. Always appreciate it.
2: Yep, it's Chris Stewart. Do you want to mention Dex Imaging? Uh, thanks to them for allowing us to talk to uh, Chris Stewart on Wednesdays at 8.
1: All right, when we uh, come back, we're going to do a uh, scoreboard traffic and weather here? Yes. And then we'll get back to this whole Reggie Bush thing. We will uh, we'll give these guys another shot to to give a a reasonable defense of giving back his Heisman. I've yet to hear one. I feel
2: like I'm pretty objective. Well, you, no, you're not. And you, you're not going to accept anything we say. That's not true. Yeah, oh, it you is give true. Me, if
1: you give me a good argument,
2: well, I think all well,
1: I've heard from you is it's a replica. And I haven't really heard matter.
2: anything. Uh, all you're doing is just playing, you know, the hangman jury, you know, just because he broke a rule. But I'm saying that the NCAA and the Heisman are not the same organization. In other words, what if I got an award here, like the AP award? Right. Something happened to me and I was picked up for doing something. Are they going to take away my award?
1: I don't know. Is there a code of conduct require them to preserve the integrity of that award? <laughs> Look it up. Because that's what the Heisman Trust is in charge of.
5: Hey, everybody. This is Gabe Gross, and you're listening to WNSP 105.15.
0: Love is a burning thing, and it makes
1: a
5: fiery ring. All right,
1: 822, boys and girls. Let's go. 6941055, Make your cases for whether Reggie Bush should uh, get his Heisman back. He is apparently suing uh, the NCAA. Um, which, as we've pointed out, he's supposed to meet with the media today at some point. Uh, Not necessarily—I mean, the Heisman Trust is the one that is in charge of whether or not to do the whole Heisman thing. But he's suing uh, the NCAA mostly for for defamation. And the idea is if they find that they did defame him in some sort of way based on the trouble he got in, he could then go back to the Heisman Trust and say, you see— you see what they said about me, it's wrong, and that he would get the Heisman back.
2: Why did he take so long? That's a – well, really, uh, somebody, seriously, this happened in 2010. Why, why now, 23 years later, does this become an issue? And, and and as we see the NCAA kind of imploding anyway, although you can't well, convince I think, Jim Harbaugh that. I
1: think it's the, the NIL age. I think what he's he's leaning on is you see what athletes are allowed to do I think he's going to try to make that connection that since it's legal now, retroactively it should be legal, which isn't how things work. So
2: Just just go to court and tell the judge, uh, make an issue, I want my trophy back. <laughs> Forget the NCAA. I want going my to trophy back. Duty. Yeah, just go, I want my trophy back. Anyway, how can you— here's, Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. How can you take away a trophy from a guy who was a saint? <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> just, uh, just having fun with that. By the way, this segment is brought to you by Community Bank.
1: All right. Who wants to make a case? Give us a call. 694-1055. I actually, I think I'm in the minority here. You uh, usually are. Uh, when it comes to How about to Pete Rose? You,
2: you don't think he should be in the hall? No. Okay. Yeah, you're definitely in the minority on that.
1: Yeah.
3: By the way, you know Reggie Bush like got inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame this year? okay so why can he be in the college football hall of fame but he can't have his heisman back
1: i would argue he probably doesn't deserve to be in the college football hall of fame <laughs> okay well he's in the college football hall of fame i mean you know he, so was, he played in games that so you're all argu- uh, oh, oh, the games didn't happen they were vacated Oh, uh, so they didn't happen is there a record? I mean, did they win those games? What was his record as a college athlete? Yes, they won those games. What what was his record? What's his official record as a college athlete? I don't have the numbers in front of me. Okay, they're lower than you think if they were vacated. I'm not saying I'm a fan of vacation. That's that seems the point. like you are, it seems like you are a fan no, of vacation. No, but you see that's you see this is the point that you all can't get wrap your heads around. Like I may not agree with the rules or the precedents, but you got to abide by them. And that's what Reggie Bush can't understand. Dude, broke the rules, so there are consequences. Pete Rose broke the rules. There are consequences. Does everybody get caught? No. Do people get away with it? Sure. But that doesn't mean that when you get caught, that's the whole speeding thing. Uh, why'd you pull me over, officer? Uh, we caught you speeding. Well, what about the the guy that just flew by me? Well, I didn't catch him. I caught you, Michael. And the officer's not saying uh, you're, you're right, man. You go ahead. Everybody's doing it. It's that's not how it Michael, works, Michael.
2: If you ever get picked up for something, make sure you don't have him on the jury. Oh, I won't. Now he's th- he's. I
1: know who to not call. Yeah, the there's LB no gray idea.
2: area with Mark. Mark's the uh, hangman jury. That's it. Hangman judge. Hang them.
1: You you all have yet to actually come up with a legit reason.
2: We've been talking about this for over an hour. We've given you our reasons. Your reasons don't resonate with me.
1: It, so it doesn't resonate with you that if somebody breaks a rule, there are consequences.
2: Again, I asked you—I'm getting tired of saying this. What is in the—the he, the Heisman is not
1: connected to the NCAA. Right, but the Heisman— Tell me. Specifically— the Heisman Trust's mission is to preserve the integrity of the Heisman Trophy. So with that, while granted a very subjective and wide – it leaves it open for interpretation. Right. What they're saying is they have the authority to pull that trophy if giving it to someone somehow puts the integrity of that trophy in question. Lee, I'm calling you if I ever need to get bailed out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I don't do illegal things. So I know. Actually you should call
1: me because if I do believe you, <laughs> wouldn't it wouldn't it go long wouldn't it go further away with the judge or jury that a guy that's so black and white has now Right, he said
6: argue- bail. Yeah.
2: Would you go down yeah, to a bail if, bondsman yeah. and help him out? What that's What if you what don't he believe said. me? Even if you didn't know the case, would I you got, go to a bail bondsman and help him out? I got one I
1: would, phone call. I would I would definitely put you in contact with a person that could help you. How about I got that? one phone call. <laughs> yeah, I'll make the phone call I for think you. I, I think I'm calling Lee in
3: this case. <laughs> you probably you should. Can't,
1: you can't make I bail would, on Michael. Chick-fil-A
3: gift cards. <laughs> yeah, he'd pick me up and bring me to Chick-fil-A. And, you know, it'd be all good. Well,
2: first of all, you got to go to the bail bondsman, and then then you go to where you're incarcerated to get you out.
3: Mm-hmm. Then we go to Chick-fil-A?
2: Yes. Okay. <laughs> what time do they open?
3: <laughs> 6 a.m. Baby. Yeah. Do they it's open a, that, that that's early? That's how we roll. Gonna need Chick Fil A after all that. But again, Michael, sh- stay out of shower. trouble. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do stay out of trouble. <laughs> stay out record. of trouble. That's this, that's this the a key.
1: Oh, here we go. Famous last words. We're gonna get a call this week. We're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna try to be on the air tomorrow at 6 a.m. And it, our mics aren't gonna oh, work right. guys. <laughs> because he's not in here. Oh he's yeah. In some tank.
2: Okay, so who do we worry about more, Mark? Him or the other guy setting up in Fairhope?
3: The yep. other guy setting up in Fairhope. <laughs> who do we
2: – or are we going to be in cars with our – should we? Re, should I recharge my cell phone <laughs> before I come out?
6: <laughs>
1: All right, the uh, debate no continues answer. in the app. <laughs> should I recharge? Make sure it's charged. But uh, for the
3: other guy, not for me.
1: Hey, we're going to talk to Andy Bertram when we come back. We'll switch gears, talk a little Auburn. Uh, continue with your comments in the app spiritual debate i love it i love these topics these are you see this is as much fun as i've had in a long time this is good times must be football season Mm -hmm. all right the opening kickoff continues right here on the sports station wnsp Welcome back in the opening kickoff continues on this Wednesday edition. Thanks for hanging with us
2: talk some Alabama earlier. Let's talk some Auburn now with play by play the voice of the Auburn Tigers Andy Burcham and Andy. Welcome to WNSP's opening kickoff. Good morning. How are you today?
9: I'm doing very well just trying to stay out of the heat. Yes as best I can at this point.
2: I would, I would congratulate you if you can do that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not where you want to be, especially when it gets over a hundred. Gosh, I hope it's not like that. In your, is your first, What time is your opening game against UMass? Two thirty.
1: Ouch.
9: <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're hoping that the, the heat breaks a little. I was looking at the early forecast for next Saturday, and it is still calling for temperatures in the nineties. At game time, I don't know if that's shifted or not, but uh, I think it's going to be a warm one at Jordan Hare Stadium on September second.
2: But your your press box is air conditioned, right?
9: Thankfully, it is, Lee. Yeah. There you
2: go. You know, we've, I'm going to start out there in the press box because there's been so much talk about the Auburn quarterback. You're changing quarterbacks this year, also. You want to talk about that?
9: Yeah, we we uh, we move on from uh, from Stan White, who who decided to retire from the booth. After 22 years, Stan and I started together when we were doing the old pay-per-view and take (laughs) the late games. And then, of course, uh, he followed Charlie Trotman into the booth and worked with Jim and Rod and then for the the last four years with me. And Stan just became one of the very best analysts out there in in college football, to be sure. But Stan's, uh, Stan's sons are both the high school age. Stan works... Uh, heavily right now with John Carroll High School there in Birmingham, where where his kids go to school, and he does some coaching um, on on the JV squad, and he just wanted to be there for the family more. And we can certainly understand that we will miss Stan a great deal because he's been an outstanding voice in the booth for Auburn. But uh, Lee, as you mentioned, we will we will change quarterbacks, and uh, we'll go from the 1993 undefeated quarterback to the 2004. Auburn undefeated quarterback and Jason Campbell, who moves into his analyst role with us uh, during the ball games now. So we're we're very much looking forward to, to Jason, as I've mentioned uh, before. When when Stan told us that that he was thinking about retiring, Jason was the guy that we thought of, and so we recruited Jason Campbell to be our, our color analyst, and are very much looking forward to him being in the booth with us.
2: So. To my understanding, you're going to have not one now, but two sideline reporters. Did I hear correctly, Ronnie Brown and Will Herring? Is that correct?
9: Yeah, they will alternate. They will. We will not have two for each game. But uh, but Ronnie is wanting to spend a little more time with uh, with his family. He's got a, a son that, that plays baseball and uh, plays football, and his daughter is a very good soccer player, from what I gather. And uh, of course, he lives in the Atlanta area. And so uh, Ronnie has told us that he wanted to cut back on his work a little bit. And we liked the idea of getting some defense on our broadcast. So also from that 2014, it's interesting how that's happened. Will Herring will be, he's got about half of the games this year. And his first game on the sideline with us will be the Cal game out in Berkeley uh, on, on September 9th. So we'll, and Will lives here in Auburn, and we're looking forward to, to getting his perspective of, of, of the sideline. He'll be our first defensive guy on the sideline since Auburn's president pro tem of the Board of Trustees. Quentin Riggins was down there for 25 years. So we're looking forward. Yes, there's some new some new faces, some new names in, in different roles with us this year.
2: Andy, I miss Quentin Riggins. I We used to have him on almost every week or every other week. He was really good on the air with us, and he was very good doing the uh, sideline reporting so i you know he i assume he still goes to all the games or most of them right
9: we get to see quentin quite a bit and um now that he's the president pro tem of the board of trustees i hope we get to see him a little bit more um he is on the talking tigers podcast that i that i record each week uh this coming monday morning and he tells some great pat dye stories and his story of the '89 Iron Bowl, he was part of that. And he's a very dear friend, um, and he was—he was one of those guys that could see the game better from the field than we do from the press box. That was his perspective. He was incredibly insightful into what he saw, and uh, we we miss having Quentin with us. Uh, but but he's gone on to bigger and better things, and his now serving Auburn in a in a much bigger role on the board of trustees.
1: It's a it's a different kind of cat to be able to see the field from field level, right? I mean, I'm 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 sure I'm like a lot of people. I'm a ball watcher, so I I could never no. do that kind of thing. But from field level, it sounds damn near impossible.
9: Well, I I just think it's his his linebacker mentality. Yeah, That's where he always saw the game when he played. And, yeah, he, he – and, boy, he could really pick apart a part of play. He had a unique skill set, and he wanted to be on the field. There were times where he, we've, asked, we've asked him to, to be in the booth with us, and he was uncomfortable in the booth. Now, he did a great job. sure, But he, he, would, he would rather be on the field. It was, a, it was amazing what he could see, but I just think he tapped into his time. You know, he was the quarterback of the defense when he played at that linebacker spot, that middle linebacker spot, and it carried over to his time on the sideline with us.
2: Andy Bertram is the voice of the Auburn Tigers for all sports up there, and I wanted to ask you, let's get, let's get your take on the season. The reports we hear, and of course we're not that close to it, you get a chance to go out and watch. Is the defense that far ahead of the offense right now?
9: Well, I, you know, it, it's interesting you say that, Lee, because coming out of that scrimmage Saturday, I, I think the, the, the consensus was that the offense had a better scrimmage on Saturday. And as, as Hugh Pree said, you know, he rarely comes out of a scrimmage where he feels good about both sides of the football. Because if one side has a good week or a good scrimmage, the other side you, you, you worry about a little bit. And I thought Saturday, this past Saturday, the offense probably had the better run of it. And so there was talk about the defense and can this team stop the run game. I do think that this, this run game that Auburn has this year has a chance to be pretty special. With Jarquez Hunter and Brian Batie and Damari Alston and Jeremiah Cobb. heck, even Sean Jackson. You can throw five out there for, for Carnell Williams, and that's, in, that's interesting how deep and, I believe, talented that running back room is. So it will all depend on up front. And, you know, Jalen McLeod, I don't think he didn't scrimmage Saturday. calvert Falk didn't scrimmage Saturday. So we didn't get to see some of the guys that are on the, the ends, you know, defensive ends and that, that Jack linebacker spot. But it's given guys like Messiah Nasili Kite, the transfer from Maryland, an opportunity at defensive end. So the, the emergence of Stephen Sings, the fifth, the transfer from Liberty. At that jack linebacker spot, Marcus Harris and Jason Jones in the middle. Those guys are returning, and those guys we, we know what 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 they give to Auburn this season. But I think that there's still some some question marks with regard to the depth up front defensively. And turning it over to the other side of the ball, Lee, is it, you know how how will this offensive line perform? It's it's a relatively new offensive line with two tall Miller who's starting to make a move at right tackle Gunner Britton who they moved from right tackle to left guard last week Dylan Wade those are three newcomers although Britton was here last year he didn't play uh, but Wade and Britton and 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 Miller are newcomers Avery Jones in the middle at center returns. so does Cam Stutt so you know how well do those guys gel after after fall ball and now that the class is in and they're kind of getting into a game week routine, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see how these guys perform, but they're obviously incredibly vital to this Auburn offense going into the season.
1: Andy Bertram with us here on WNSP. Uh, I know this time of year everybody's excited. There's a certain level of expectation, but it just it kind of feels a little bit different this year for Auburn, in a, in a good way. Can you kind of put... This off season or these last couple months in perspective, compared to maybe recent seasons, there just seems to be a little bit more excitement. Hugh Freeze comes in. You know, recruiting is off and running like it hadn't been in the last couple of years. It just kind of feels a little different.
9: Not there's, Mark, there's a no question that it is different. I'm not sure I can quantify it other than what we've already talked about. You know, they've, they've, they've sold out season tickets. Yeah. The most season tickets they've ever sold at 65,500 individual games are complete sellouts, including Sanford, Georgia, Alabama, and Ole Miss. They're getting close even for the UMass game uh, on September 2nd. I'll bet they sell out the Mississippi State game at some point. That would just leave one game. And who who knows what ticket sales would be like if Auburn's got some momentum. Uh, getting ready for that November eighteenth game against the Mexico State. So from that perspective, there's a great deal of momentum. And it's not just two freeze. I mean, that's a major part. Sure. And what he did to to revamp the roster, and then what we know that he has done this summer with recruiting classes for twenty four and twenty five, and some big name commitments that i I can't discuss, but we we know we know who we're talking about here. Um, Yeah, there's there's some optimism here, and it's not just Hugh and the staff. It's the athletic department and what John Cohen has done in his short stay as Auburn's athletic director and the folks that he brought in on his executive staff. And some folks may roll their eyes when we say this, but the alignment at Auburn from the president, Chris Roberts, with the board of trustees, the athletic director, John Cohen, and this athletic staff and his coaching staff is—I I don't remember it being this pulling in one direction like it is right now for a long, long time. And that—that—that that, that has folks excited here as well.
2: Before we let you go, compare the two quarterbacks or contrast them: Thorne versus Ashford. Are they alike a lot, or they're very—you know—very unlike?
9: Um, of the two. Thorne is the passer, although he is deceptively, he he runs the ball deceptively well. You look at him at 6'2, 203. You don't think of a running type quarterback, but he can run the ball, he can run the RPOs. Auburn knows what it has in Robbie Ashford. They saw him in this role a year ago, especially down the stretch when when Carnell was the the interim head coach. And he's an exceptional running quarterback who I think has improved his passing game and needs to continue to improve the passing game. It was interesting last week, Lee, watching Robbie Ashford respond to the news that he was not QB1. And that can go one of two ways. And I thought his response was he's going to continue to work hard and get better. And as a result, I think he's going to be a part of this offense, whether he's the starter or not, but he is—he is the better of the running quarterbacks. There's no question, and he needs to continue to get better as the passing quarterback. And Peyton Thorne is a guy that has come in and assumed the leadership role almost immediately since transferring from Michigan State. Listen, well, who knows what's going to happen starting September 2nd? Uh, but but it gives Auburn some options at the quarterback spot out of those two. And as, as Hugh Priest said last Thursday when he spoke to the media, if Robbie Ashford responds well to the news that he's not the starting quarterback, there's going to be packages that's going to get Robbie Ashford on the field every single game, whether he's the starter or not.
1: Andy, great stuff, man. Thank you so much for jumping on with us. We look forward to doing it again soon. Mark Lee, I appreciate it. You guys have a great day. Thank you. That's uh, Andy Bartram, ladies and gentlemen. One final segment of the day. Let's get to it. Uh, You guys can jump in. 694-1055. We'll give you also a sneak peek into tomorrow's show as well. Hi, I'm Shervanian Bronner. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us.
5: This is Chris Samuels. You're listening to WNSB 105.5. Roll Tide. God bless.
1: the final time this week that the group will be in the same place at the same time we are uh, taking the show on the road for the first time this high school football season tomorrow the dr christopher monex high school game day
2: i'll even go further than that this is going to be not only the final time but for me this will be the i have only one more appearance here in studio in the next week and a half
1: Oh, that's right, because you are off uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Thursday.
2: You'll be out at Williamson a week from tomorrow, and then I will rejoin you at St. Paul's on Friday. My travels take me elsewhere, get a chance to use my passport, get down to the Eastern Shore, <laughs> to see if it works. By the way, you know, we <laughs> talked about—do Have you? Do you ever watch Steve Harvey,
1: Family Feud? Uh, I mean, I've seen it. I, yeah. I don't make it like— No, it's not—we
2: not, don't watch it like we watch, you know, the Swamp Kings or whatever— but the um family feud uh, might be interesting with Baker Mayfield and his family. There's a story out there now, and he's, by the way, the starting quarterback for Tampa replacing Tom Brady. Gross. What? Gross. Oh, you don't obviously you don't like that.
3: I just don't think it's very good, and I think Tampa Bay is going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. No, that's going that to that be New England. That, right? that seems,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> it, it seems like it's conducive to a great year if anybody yeah. in the South is terrible, other than the Saints. I, I, I feel we don't the, care. I, I fail to see the 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 downside to this. Story. No, that's a good story.
3: You know, yeah, that's that's if you have uh, a lot of rooting interest in the Saints for sure. But anyway,
1: or the Falcons, or the Panthers, but anyway. Baker I think Mayfield Panthers, has
2: filed a petition, along with his wife, against this investment firm, and they want to know what has happened. They're, I guess, accusing this investment firm of misappropriating $12 million. His father and another family member work for this investment
1: firm. Ooh. Ouch. So, what's he demanding? He wants his Heisman back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think
3: he
2: wants his money back. I think he wants to know where his money is going. So, Dad he's works give for the, him the firm. Replica
3: Heisman yeah. in uh, for the money back.
2: No, I think he's uh, more than willing. Uh, he wants his. He wants to know where his money has gone. It's been rerouted and rerouted, so he files a petition. Now, it's not a lawsuit yet. It hasn't gotten to that point. It's just to find out. Well. Where my 12 million is.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a legitimate question. For I sure. do too. Dad,
2: hey, uh, Dad, uh, can you tell me where my 12 million dollars is going?
3: Yeah. His father has it in a conservatorship.
2: Oh, it's wouldn't that be right. something? Wouldn't that be great? We find out he has a conservatorship.
6: Yeah.
2: <laughs> By the way, did the. Uh, uh, the family—I can't even remember their name. Did Sandra Bullock's family—the <laughs> the Tewes—the Tewes—yeah, did they uh, end it? Did they uh, file the conservatorship and
3: get rid of it? I don't think the Bullock family has spoken out. <laughs> I haven't. Uh, I
1: haven't, I haven't seen, seen it. They were supposed to. It's they sp- said they were going to do away out of with the it. Cycle. I don't know. You know It'd be go. awesome if they didn't. they were just like, you know what? We've had it, and just been just just stay with it. Just make his life a living hell. Just for just for headlines at this point, <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. all right, uh you guys can jump in six nine four one oh five five It looks like Steele put in a very lengthy uh I'm copy and paste. I'm not sure I can get through all that um it was a press release from the Heisman Trust uh about the time that uh about this whole Reggie Bush thing um, yeah there's there's no way I can get in all that. You it know, would it would take me the next five minutes just to read it and, mm. and and cut it down for you guys. I appreciate it. Um, I'm sure it's I'm what sure it's, I'm ha- sure it's agreeing with my point, whatever it is. Oh, I'm sure it is too. So what? <laughs> yeah, why is I'm, he I'm gonna a, go with it's agreeing
3: with my point. <laughs> what's
2: what's so. he holding a press conference for today though? I mean, he's already sent the they've already filed the lawsuit. They're
1: supposed to file the lawsuit today.
2: Oh, today. Yeah,
1: ESPN it? had learned that lawyers were planning to file the lawsuit today, <laughs> and that he's supposed to be, um, He's supposed to be talking to the media today. Mark,
3: yeah. I know you said it doesn't matter, but do you think the timing lines up with this Manzel thing and
1: just, you know, the absurdity of, of uh, all that and I think it does. I think it probably has more to do with NIL doing sure. its thing. Uh and I don't know. Maybe they started the ball rolling before the Manzel thing came out. Maybe maybe that he saw the Manzel thing and was like, Well, if he can, why can't I? Like, so I yeah. think I, I, I think it it certainly Helped his decision making. I would. Well, you suggest. know, if he was
2: so worried about what they could have hidden it. Hidden the what? His his trophy. Just hide. Who's <laughs> gonna take it from him? Hide it. Bury it. Do something with it. I, I, this, I, I don't,
3: see, I don't know. Yeah, you were you,
1: you focused very much on the physical, the, actual yes. trophy and having possession of it.
3: What's funny is that, yeah, like you said, Lee, he gave it back before the Heisman could I, officially take it back. So, like, what if he hadn't given it back and the Heisman commission or committee, whatever you want to call them, decided to take it away? Like, do they come knocking on his door and say, all right, like, time to give well, it back? Well, if
1: they never officially took it from him and he just gave it up, go get it back. That's
3: what I mean. That's right. my feeling.
2: Go yeah. get it back. You're quick. You're still fast you, you, enough. You remember
1: that thing I'd borrow that big cup I let you borrow? I'm gonna need that back. Yeah. Yeah. And then make them say, We are taking your trophy. You gotta change the narrative. Change that media slant. I just make really, the
3: Heisman Trust look
1: like the bad guy here. I just
3: really wanna know what would have happened had he not voluntarily. So, so here's it my point. That's a good I'm question. So here's actually. my
2: point. Who why if the trophy was taken away by the Heisman committee, shouldn't it be f- filing the suit against them instead of the NCAA.
1: Y- yes and no and again i'm not a lawyer but right. i think i think the whole crux of the heisman trust argument is based on the statements made by the ncaa so the you, Heisman you can, trust has said they'll give it back if the ncaa reinstates him so he, they would have to reinstate which is well he is reinstated I I think, by the southern
2: cal i know that i don't think that matters into no. it but he has been it was a 10-year deal but he's reinstated by southern cal he's back in, i guess they're good graces if there is such a thing but he,
1: I just don't think the NCAA is going to do it, right? Because if you reinstate them, that's like turning it over on appeals, right? Now everybody that ever that's got like sanctioned by the NCAA yeah, is going to file and get the appeal. And apparently, sure. no one's ever done anything that's wrong like in college athletics
2: ever. You know, giving clemency to, let's say, lifers in jail or something like that. No, I agree. That's probably. I don't see them doing it. I don't see where they even have the power anymore to do much. Sorry about that, Jim Harbaugh, but. Yeah, because that's the only thing I've ever seen lately is that, you know, the, the, whether they're going to suspend him or not, although he is being self-imposed with a suspension. But I don't see where they really have that kind of power where they can change things or do things or even care. <laughs> I mean, seriously, with all the issues they have and with all the NIL going on and everything, do you think that the new guy in charge, like, oh, gosh, got to get his trophy back? So what?
3: said, so Just like wherever, whatever lock and key it's under, just. Just go open it,
1: open the cabinet. Yeah, play, is it is it in get the get it, same Reggie. warehouse where the like the arc is? Like that's what I was like. like Louis, yeah, Louisville's like, 2013 said, like,
3: banner. Like is is it all? Are
1: all these things in the same place? Yeah, like the Fab Five banner that yeah. came down. Like how much? See, to me, that stuff is worth like quadruple yeah. what the legit stuff is. Give me all that other stuff. Can't take away Rick Patino's tattoo of the banner. Right. I mean, that's just. That's where it's at. Where that's a great question. Like, is there a storage room? Like, where is that stuff? Someone should do. Well, it. Is, is it Heisman. filed under something different so people don't know? Well,
2: the the Heisman itself is in an office in New York or some vault or some something like that. But where his is, I have no idea. The replica, you mean? The replica.
1: Yeah, it's not the real trophy. <laughs> no. I'm bringing a, I'm gonna bring the you faint. a replica of something, Lee. Just,
2: a, just a replica WNSP microphone. Yeah. Uh, Take that one. It doesn't work. Right.
1: That's, that's, <laughs> that's right. As far as I'm that's concerned, like, that's a replica.
3: <laughs>
2: it just lies there. Is anybody yeah. going to ever do
3: anything with this? Oh, you're asking me? I'm not the person to ask. Well, I was looking at Mark. I wasn't really oh, asking uh, you. Michael.
1: I mean, I can move it for you if it bothers you. Those decisions are hang, made. Uh, hang, on, hang on, everybody. on, move radio vision. There you go. The, the, the <sighs> dead mic. Done.
3: The I'm, dead I mic. I might
1: keep the replica microphone.
2: Now I feel like Howard Cosell over here holding the mic. Bring it out tomorrow when we go out interview the uh, bandmaster. This whatever. is the
1: this is the mic uh, Corey should give Nick when Nick wants to talk in the afternoons. <laughs> you get about a bunch out of that as you, you do the other mics he talks into. Lee, you miss Nick yet? Um, no, I
2: don't.
6: Oh, not No, because he's
2: coming out tomorrow, so it's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> you oh, you talk him. just like a second too soon on that, yeah. Bronner. Don't. No, not yet. All right, we're back out at uh, we're at Fairhope tomorrow. So if you're in the area, honk, say hi, come meet the one and only Lee Cervanian or Mark Heim. Yeah, I'll be there too. Uh, looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun for Mr. Bronner and Mr. Cervanian. I'm Mark. That does it for another edition of the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station. Until tomorrow at six.
6: See ya.